Hello, movies. Welcome to Supporting Hello Cast. Movies? Hello, movies. No, I'm no, starting with new intros. Sorry, our listeners' names. Our movies. Our movies. Hello, movies. Hello, and movies. welcome to Supporting Cast, the show about the undersung heroes of the film industry. You may not recognize their names, but you will recognize your work, their work. With me, as always, is Lincoln Vickery. Hello, nerds. And Charlie Davenport. Hello. Can I get you to do two versions? One where you don't call everyone movies and one where you do, just in case we need to talk about that. And can I have a version where you keep that in? Yeah. No, we, we uh, have two. Yeah, we'll have fine. two. Yeah, we'll yeah, do both. It's absolutely, absolutely. Then we'll see how we feel. Welcome to Supporting Cast, the show about the undersung heroes of the film industry. You may not recognise their names, but you will recognise their work. With me, as always, is Charlie Davenport. Hello. And Lincoln Vickery. Hello, movies. Hell yes. <laughs> this is an ongoing series about the work of Hector Elizondo. If you want a full breakdown of his career, please watch our Taken of Pelham 123 episode. Is it not Pelham? <laughs> Just Pelham. Just Pelham. Just Pelham. Silent H. I wasn't in that episode. And this episode is, of course, about Pretty Woman. Walking down the street. Walking down that street. How are we all, guys? Yeah, I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. You know, <laughs> I'm just thinking about Pretty Woman 1. In general? No, I'm excited to talk about this one because I think I was genuinely surprised by my reaction to it because I came into it guns are blazing thinking I was going to be, you know, offended for all these reasons and, um, yeah, I'll let you know when we get to it, but I kind of wasn't. Seamus, <laughs> this is your first time watching the movie um, Pretty Woman. First time? About... A pretty woman. First time watching a movie about a pretty woman. What if there was a woman that was was quite beautiful? What if there was a, to be fair, very pretty woman? Has anyone ever looked better in a film? Like I honestly, she looks amazing. She looks wonderful. Hard to find one. I watched this movie in two halves this Mm. time. I uh, started watching it, had a lot of notes, uh, got called into work early, and then had to finish uh, finish it the next morning. Um, And that was about the last half hour. I hadn't had my coffee, so maybe that like. (laughs) Coloured my enthusiasm a little bit. I was a bit grumpy. I don't think Mm -hmm. I like this movie. Oh, right off the bat. Um, I'm shocked. I also watched it in two halves this time because I straight up fell asleep. Yeah. And then I watched it again and was a little bit grumpy because I had to rewatch the ending of Pretty Woman because I. I didn't like this movie either. Okay, <laughs> but cool. But for cool. reasons that are not what I thought. <laughs> See, because um, when you said like I'm surprised by my reaction to this movie, I was like, I thought you, I thought you fell asleep in it. I no, thought no, you were no. Pissed off. I was surprised that the thing that I was the most annoyed by this movie is that I was bored by it. That was my most surprising take. I was like, oh, this movie's kind of boring. Welcome to um, the movie podcast where we hate movies. I rewatched. I watched this movie and then I immediately put it on again. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I oh, immediately no. I was just like, let's just chuck that round. Let's run that one round the horn again. Let's so, let's have a look. There's definitely a lot to like in it, and by a lot to I like, agree. I mean Julia Roberts uh, and, that and, is, right. and Hector Elizondo. There we go. So I think before we get into you know, it's just like a little tidbit of how, what we're going to be arguing about for the next Ooh. couple of hours. I'm yeah. sure um, <laughs> we should probably talk about Hector. Just a quick little. Uh, so I've got like from like from last from from last we saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, for, in American Gigolo, I've got just kind of a list of like selected Hector Elizondos from 1980 to 1981. He was in Freebie and the Bean, where he played Detective Sergeant Dan Bean Delgado. Hey, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a titular character. He's the Bean he's the in bean. Freebie and the Bean. <laughs> he puts the Bean in Freebie. That's and, not a supporting cast, so he's the lead. He's the lead. Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, it's shit, true. shut it down. Oh, we'll talk about shut that. the whole thing down. Oh. In 1982, 
Very importantly, he does his first feature film with Gary Marshall. The film is called Young Doctors in Love. The movie that uh, Gary Marshall pitched him on a basketball court, mm-hmm. though. Yes, that's right. A uh, famous story where uh, Hector Elizondo hit him in the head with a basketball and then got a career out of it. In 1984, again, he does The Flamingo Kid with Gary Marshall. This will be a running theme. He does all of Gary Marshall's 18 movies. Mm. In 1985, he does a TV movie called Murder, colon, by reason of insanity, which I've included just for the title because I think that's a delight. In 85 to 86, he plays uh, defense attorney Jesse Steinberg in the TV show Foley Square. Um, a lot of um, like soft background noises in that one. Yeah, that- <laughs> there's a lot of crunching feet. Uh, there's someone with a watermelon smashing it together. Pretty good. Hey, thanks. Pretty good. Congratulations. <laughs> in 1987, he's in Overboard as a uh, Portuguese garbage scourer skipper. I watched Overboard. Well, uh, Shames, you walked in on me <laughs> shamefully watching Overboard yeah. this morning before we picked I've, up Charlie. Um, <laughs> it felt like I'd uh, walked in on you watching Hentai. I would feel more at ease if you walked in on me watching uh, the, the most horrific animated pornography you've ever seen. Would you mind uh, just giving us the <clears throat> very brief elevator pitch of what Overboard is? Yeah, Char- I have no idea. I'm Charlie, so you, yeah, intrigued. Do you know the pitch of Overboard? No, but all I know okay. is it's more spicy than some hentai, so <laughs> I like... So it's, Gold- it's, it's Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell. Oh, great. Absolutely. Nothing embarrassing um, about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, go... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Goldie Horn is a very rich lady um, and Kurt Russell is like a down on his luck carpenter. Great start. A great start. Kurt Russell comes onto Goldie Horn's boat and then she asks him to make him um, some, uh, like a shoe rack, but he does it in, um, he does it in oak, but she didn't tell him she wanted it in cedar. Mm-hmm. Um, elevator pit, elevator <laughs> pitch. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> anyway. the whole notes on it, we're like, scene one. Oh, yeah, I've, got, I've got the whole thing. They argue about that, then she throws him overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really bitter about that. Then a couple days later, Goldie Horn is looking for her wedding ring and also falls overboard, but Goldie Horn loses all of her memory. So then Kurt Russell sees her on TV because she's like a famous lady that's lost her memory because that's what you see on the news all the time. And then he's like, I know what I'll do. What I'll do is go and claim her as my wife and trick her to basically be a slave for me in my house and then do awful things. Eventually, of course- This is course, a comedy. This is a comedy. And eventually, of course, they fall in love because she realizes that her ways of <laughs> her ways of uh, being a rich, uh, wealthy, and independent lady, um, <laughs> is is um, bad, and and that if she had a husband and children, she'd be much better off. So I walked in on the last forty minutes of this, mm. and then Lincoln was like, "Do you want to come in and watch the?" <laughs> Watch the last 40 minutes of Overboard. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, I just need to tell you what this is about. I was like, you know what? Don't. I'll figure it out as we go. I had the experience of like watching a horror film if like as I slowly realized what the premise of this movie was. Because at the start, it just seems like a nice comedy with Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn. And then about 15 minutes into the, the watch, I was like, wait, does she not know who she is? Yeah, she has. Is he kidnapping her? That's right. It he is- calls her his slave it's very early on in the movie. At least Awful. he's honest about it. At know? least he's honest but about it. But here's the really embarrassing part. Lincoln was sitting there. He was like, kind of good. It's kind of, okay. It's kind of charming. Here's the thing. It's very, very problematic. 
the movie's kind of charming. It has stuff. Goldie Horn is so, so good in the movie. Who's and Hector in this movie? So he plays so, <laughs> so he's the guy that finds Goldie Horn. He he runs like a garbage skipper and he does like a full uh like, I don't know, like minute-long monologue where he's I'm not going to do the impression that he does, <laughs> but he does a long kind of running bit of like how he found her. Um ah. and is really, really good. It's good. Oh, so, um, there's oh sorry, there's just so many like there's a Hollywood subgenre of romance, romances that involved memory loss. Mm. And I think they're all kind of problematic and kind of weird, like 50 First Dates, right? 50 like, First Dates. Yeah. The Vow, that one where the, she loses her memory. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's always a thing of like, uh, what if a lady was an innocent and Ooh. didn't know anything and you could teach her whatever you like? What, what is it? It's the it's oh, one yeah. stupid yesterday? Born, yeah, yeah, born yeah, yeah. sexy yesterday. Born, se- <laughs> born stupid yesterday. <laughs> Although Sorry, born sexy tr- yesterday may be my autobiography. <laughs> uh, born stupid yesterday is the way I wake up every morning. <laughs> I have to listen to this podcast every morning to remember who I am. <laughs> is that the excuse you're using? You, you, like, you, like, <laughs> you spend two hours, you're listening, you're like, right. I'm insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> and you get along with your day. Uh, oh, no. War of Fedora. <laughs> in uh, 1988, Hector Elizondo is in Beaches. Um, in 89, he's in GP Cobb's Leviathan. And in 1990, Gary Marshall brings him back for the role of hotel manager in Pretty Woman. Shall I give a small brief intro on any thoughts about uh, Elizondo's 10 years? I reckon it's a pretty good 10. Yeah. Uh, having not seen any of the movies between this <laughs> and <laughs> you watched Overboard. Uh, well, yeah, I, said Overwatch, I, I watched. Sorry. That's different. <laughs> He's incredible in Overwatch. <laughs> he, he plays May. I don't know if you guys. It was a really good article. If you do want to do some further Hector research, I've, I think it was AV Club did an amazing article. Did mm. you read that? Mm. Uh, obviously, a lot of the research came from that. Where they went through all of his supporting roles, including his TV, and he talks about his experience on there. And I think that you can. I, I kind of went on there and I did a similar thing. I sort of just mapped out in between. I was like, oh, yeah, did a lot, did a lot. If you haven't listened to the other Hector episodes, I think it's important to note that he came from a theatre background, which is interesting to me. Like yeah. big theatre guy, big New York guy. New York theatre guy. Um, and up until this point, he played a lot of villains. Mm. And I think that this is a turning point. And he even says in the AV Club interview that he misses playing villains because like actors always love to play villains. But now I think because of this movie, Pretty Woman, which definitely is his breakout, made him like probably the most famous. He got a Golden Globe nomination for this movie. He became like a bit more well-known and I think it kind of put him in a new castability of like Mm. a warmer character. Yeah, it's really interesting going from – American Gigolo and Detective Sunday, which is such a like, I, I guess like honest, but like slimy performance Incredible to this where he's like, when he first appeared in this movie, we'll get to it. But when he first appeared in this movie, I was like, oh, I can kind of see that. And that, then it was completely gone. It's like, oh no, he's just the most charming man in the world. He's just this friendly old guy. It's clearly, um, rules. A, it's also fun because like having watched so many interviews, it's like, oh, this is it's closer to him. Sure, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I, not that that's like either better or worse acting, but you feel in his interviews this sort of like Barney energy coming more off him. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, th- this character could call anyone in the cast a mensch and it would be sick. Yes, <laughs> yes. But yeah, I feel like you could go ahead and give us a bit of a, just a bit of a introduction to the movie Pretty Woman. Yes, so Pretty Woman is a 1990 romantic comedy directed by Gary Marshall, starring Richard Gere and Julia Roberts in a modern update of the Cinderella tale, wherein a sex worker and a high-flying corporate raider think they have a purely transactional relationship, but after a week together, discover that they may have just 
fallen for each other. The movie skyrocketed Roberts' career from a smaller part in 1988's Mystic Pizza to the number one A megawatt turn any movie into a hit powerhouse that we came to know after this film. Similarly, Gear's career on a bit of a slump in the latter half of the 80s was suddenly revitalised, settling into the white-haired hottie groove that would define his subsequent stardom. Inspired by these screwball comedies of the 30s, like It Happened One Night, His Girl Friday and others, Marshall took a grim and realistic script by up-and-coming screenwriter J.F. Lawton and together they stripped it of all grittiness, with one notable exception, to turn it into a light and fluffy souffle of a movie with one of the most charming and magnetic lead performances ever put to film at its gooey centre. Upon the movie's release, reviews were mixed to positive. Some critics had misgivings about the film's capitalistic stance, or lack thereof, like Karina Chicano of the New York Times thought that the movie wasn't a love story, it was a money story. Its logic depended on a disconnect between character and narrative, between money and value, and that made it not cluelessly traditional, but thoroughly postmodern. Others, however, did not, did not object to the movie's idealization of property and designer brands, but rather had lascivious things to say about Julia Roberts's appearance. Owen Gleiberman, yeah. famously of the Entertainment Weekly, charmingly wrote, you'd have to be blind or crazy or maybe just hormonally dead not to see that Julia Roberts is dazzlingly beautiful. At the same time, she's not beautiful in the way that movie stars are. Despite her one distinctive feature, the wide wax lips she shares with her brother Eric, her face has a Vogue cover model anonymity, and so does her acting. Wax lips. Yeah. Despite grotty older men discoursing in print magazines why Julia Roberts was mid, the film was an instant success, leading a field of movies that year to a worldwide box office of US $463 million. Here in Australia, it was number one at the box office for 12 consecutive weeks and has become a truly iconic tentpole of the romantic comedy genre. At the time, it was the fourth most successful film ever. Ever made. That's crazy. Can That's you imagine crazy. A, can you imagine a rom-com today? No coming hard out? feelings is pretty good. Guys, if we all go to the cinema <laughs> and go see No Hard Feelings right now. I'm not saying which by the time this episode comes out, it certainly will not be still in cinemas. Do we need to make No Hard Feelings the next? It's pretty good. Uh, I, I should watch it. I should I should stop talking shit about a movie. It just has such a fuck wild premise that you know what? Why am I throwing shade at it? I, I should know. I should hop on the no hard feelings Absolutely. bandwagon. Overboard, no hard Ugh. feelings. Let's go, gang. <laughs> yeah, this is a really interesting uh, film. Uh, it's one that's kind of famously, uh, it comes up on a lot of lists of like movies whose script was way, way darker mm. than the movie that we finally got. So I tried to get together like a little bit of a production history. It's also one, uh, it's a film that has like a lot of myths around it. Like, I, were, I looked at a lot of different websites to try and put Julie this Roberts together. Julia Roberts had to roll up a boulder up a hill every day. <laughs> yeah. Hector <laughs> Elizondo has his liver eaten out by a hawk every morning. <laughs> Richard Gere made a ship of Theseus. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of myths around it and some contradicting stories. But this is the closest that I could get to like a concise production history where it's like it started as a script by a la uh, writer J.F. Lawton, as you said, titled 3000. And it was originally an attempt by him to move to a more serious script script after failing to get any attention writing in a bunch of words in his own words a bunch of unsold ninja flicks yeah so he worked for a b-movie company he was like a assistant editor for a b-movie company mm -hmm. and then he uh did a bunch of because uh, they were producing a bunch of ninja movies and then he did like a fireman script Is his, that, sorry you his, his only script his only produced film before this uh, cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. Okay, that sounds good. That I sounds know. so much better than Pretty Woman. I agree. Okay, well, let's not, <laughs> let's not be crazy. You cast Hector Elizondo as, let's say, 
an avocado in that film, uh, it's going to be incredible. <laughs> Sorry, the avocado jungle is. Are all the trees avocado trees? I well, you need to do research. Don't worry. Tune into my new segment, Extra Credit, where I'll be covering. <laughs> the Actually, I won't. I'll be covering a TV thing. Uh, yeah. He so he was failing to sell a bunch of ninja flicks, and then he wrote a script about a one-legged lesbian stand-up mm. um, called Red Shoes, which got him a little bit of attention. So he tried to somehow turn that script into this, which became Three Thousand. The original script is famous for being much uh, darker than the final film that we got with the ending being Edward kicking Vivian out of a moving car and throwing the titular $3,000 after her, mm. which is... And she has tuberculosis? No, um, her friend has TB. Cat, uh, right. uh, I think, in the film. From um, Just Shoot Me. Yeah, I'm so glad I get to talk about Just Shoot Me on this she, podcast, finally. She is so good. Laura Sanjiokomo. I love her so much in this film. Incredible. Script gained some attention early on and was developed at Sundance Institute before being brought by Aaron Mika, uh, Michan and Stephen Ruther. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing those. At Vestron, um, which then collapsed and ended up in the hands of Disney when the, comp- uh, when the company Vestron went bankrupt. Julia Roberts had already signed on to play this, uh, to play Viv in this original script by the time it ended up in Disney's hands. And simultaneously, the film What About Bob, which was well into pre production with Gary Marshall directing, lost its lead, Michael Keaton, stalling the production. Worried about losing Gary Marshall to another studio, the script was offered to Marshall, who agreed to make it on the condition that he could rewrite it as a rom-com. While J.F. Lawton remains the only credited writer, multiple people uh, apparently rewrote it, all getting the film closer to the final product that we have today. Filming began in July 24th, 1989 with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in the starring roles. Gere apparently agreeing to do the film only because after a meeting with Gary Marshall and Julia Roberts, uh, she slid a little piece of paper across the table that just had the words, please say yes on it, which mm. is absolutely adorable. Yeah, I kind of wanted to do that like brief production history because this is a really interesting example of a script that is like, it takes a village. It's a perfect, it takes a village sure, script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many people who rewrote it. There are so many steps along the way to get at what it is. It became better probably because of all of these sort of fails and near misses. It's so interesting that Gary Marshall, who has admitted later that he was going to leave Disney, only uh, stayed on board because What About Bob stalled. Mm. There are so many interesting sort of near misses that made this film what it is today, which I just really, I love and appreciate hearing like how different a film can be from where it started and still end up being yeah, Disney's one of the biggest highest movies. grossing film ever. Yeah. This outgrossed The Little Mermaid by like a hundred thousand, a hundred million dollars, yeah, wow. which came the year before, which yeah. is so sick. Did you hear the thing about J.F. Lawton that I heard, which is that he was dyslexic? I did not. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. I'm dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> this guy can't tell his P's from Q's. <laughs> There's so many, I think we should get over with the uh, alternate castings of this movie because the list is very, Insanely very long. long. Um, and the thing is that it started with, because the original script before they, Julia Roberts was signed on, as you said, before it got turned into a rom-com. Yeah. So the original script that these actors were passing on with a darker tone, I Much think. darker. So some of them were kind of like, I don't know. Notable people include Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Winona Ryder who was dismissed for being too young. Yep. Which is fair. She would have been really young. That would this would be the same year as Heather's where she played high school. It would have been kind of like, I mean, she's probably the same, same age as Julia yeah. Roberts, but it would have yeah, just been yeah. like, uh, same with Jennifer Connelly, who was considered too young. Mm-hmm. There was like a bunch of people that came up. You probably got a better list Molly than me. Molly Ringwald yeah. was also yeah. on that list. The, oh, most, the, most, exci- Ryder. the most exciting one for me Jennifer was for the Richard Gere part, was John Travolta because 
John Travolta was certainly in the uh, in the talks about it when it was the darkest script. It's the same thing as American Gigolo. I got Christopher Reeve. And Christopher Reeve, Reeve as well. As well. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Both? Yeah. yeah. yeah right. Christopher Reeve. I mean, the Daniel, Venn diagram Daniel. of the sex worker films, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The leads, you uh, want Reeve. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you need you Reeve or gear. <laughs> well, um, Daniel Day-Lewis, Kevin Klein, Denzel Washington. Daniel Day-Lewis would be Sylvester so funny. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, but Sly was like everything. 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 Um, the reason that Julia Roberts was onto this film, though, is because Daryl Hannah turned it down. They were yeah. starring in Steel Magnolias together at the time. It was unreleased. Julia that Roberts, was sh- yeah, that was shooting. It was right? shooting. Yeah. So Julia Roberts ended up getting an Oscar nomination for Steel Magnolias as well. She was very much up and comer. Like Mystic Pizza had happened, and she got good reviews and that kind of thing, but she wasn't known. But Daryl Hannah turned it down because she felt that it was degrading to women. Which mm. I mean, this original script might have been. And I mean, let's say a lot of things in the script are. But um, you know, it just depends on. Where you're at and what you feel like representing on screen. So, uh, sorry, <laughs> Daryl. Depends on what you feel. I mean, this know? is just such a happy, a happy accident that every person turned it down. Then it formed into a rom com kind of around Julia Roberts yeah. as well, because she got to shape the role. And it's really clear because this, the best thing about this movie, is Julia Roberts, and there's That's no, right. mm-hmm. there's no like room for debate on that one. It's a star making turn. Mm-hmm. She's very endearing. She's very good. And she kind of brought in like a new wave of movie star. Like, I know that she's obviously incredibly traditionally good-looking person. Sure. Stunningly beautiful. Yes. Agreed. But I do think that what you read from those critics and that kind of thing, I think she, even then, though, her having, like, curly hair, yeah. having dark it's, hair. It's kind of so funny to think about someone being like, back now. <laughs> like But I think some bizarre. people were saying they felt like she represented a different kind of beauty that people weren't used to seeing on the screen, mm. which is interesting because now I think of Julia Roberts as like the quintessential movie star. So it's like just funny how you have these kind of, uh, you know, uh, versions of what's considered beautiful. I mean, she would have come out of the 80s where the supermodel was, you know, all of those like Cindy Crawfords and blah, yeah. blah. Like mm. it's um, the Overton window of, of beauty, yeah. like shifted, which is which still something. <laughs> very much fits into. So it's kind of like, yeah, what? I know. But it's like, <laughs> okie dokie. The You Must Remember This podcast, which I imagine, did you listen to the, I sure did. Korean yeah, Longworth. Shout out. There's a wonderful episode that sort of um, about Pretty Woman and Julia Roberts that sort of tracks her, like the backlash against Julia Roberts. Mm. And it's really sad and disgusting. Like Mm. it is this thing of like having a woman suddenly become in like the words of producers at the time, the only woman who can sell a movie on stardom alone immediately led to like, not, not immediately, but pretty quickly just led to so much ire from like, Every woman's magazine yeah. producers. It was a this exploded her career in such a way that immediately made her a t- put a target on her back from anyone who thought that a woman shouldn't be able to sell a movie or still how a woman should sell a movie. This still happens. One hundred percent. It's, it's happening right now. It's exactly why I said that there are people online right now being like Margot Robbie. We shouldn't. We don't really need to talk about these mm. people. But like Margot Robbie's mid, and it's like, what? Genuinely, what are you talking I mean, about? Yeah. You like, have like someone gets so famous so quickly, they're beloved very briefly, and then the internet and, and media turns against them. So it happened to Anne Hathaway. It's happening to Rachel Zegler right now. It's happening yeah. to, to Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence in a huge hard. way. She disappeared. Anne Hathaway also disappeared for Go a while. Go see no hard feelings. Go see it. Yeah. It's good. But these movie stars were so celebrated, then it's just like inevitable. And it's so awful because it doesn't really happen to men. It's, think, a, it's a very yeah. much a misogynist thing. And I don't, the phenomenon of it is very, it's very weird. It's like they're the golden girl and then then everything they do becomes just completely like, uh, I don't know. Jennifer Lawrence is actually a really interesting comparison because they both came, uh, became such mega stars so young, had so much like very early Oscar nods. Um, J. Law, of course, winning it yep. 
um, and then Julia getting nominated for this film. Crazy that she, I mean, absolutely deserved that she got nominated. Uh, but that uh, was so bizarre. That but that, got, it's so awesome. And it's very inter- It's very similar in these like careers that exploded, gained a huge amount of popularity. It's certainly true that the media turned against uh, Jennifer Lawrence, but I feel like Julia Roberts maybe had it even worse to a certain degree, like it was a more immediate switch. I feel like uh, J Law had a little bit, a little bit of a softer landing. Maybe that's a change in the times, and also hopefully it's a slightly better comment on the way we react to women becoming successful. But it is a very similar trajectory either way, which is a bit grim. Yeah, I think it took until Jennifer, not Jennifer Lawrence, sorry, um, Julia Roberts kind of did Erin Brockovich for people to take her seriously as an actor again because she smashes that out of the ballpark, no, no questions asked. But I think um, there was a huge lull in her career between this and that. And it's a yeah. 10, 10 years maybe, 11 years between. Yeah, I mean, she, she, I mean, she works a lot between she now, does, now but and then. I think but she's not, like not a... back in like the kind of Oscar-y conversation, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Don't think. I mean, Runaway Bride is um, <laughs> the, re- the revisitation of this movie. But what if it was worse? <laughs> <laughs> should we jump straight into the yeah. the, the cinema experience of Pretty Woman? I think we should indeed. Let's dive in. We start with the Touchstone Pictures logo. We love the Touchstone Pictures logo. We see it is, sorry, Chairman's just very quietly shaking his head. <laughs> it is revealed that this is a Gary Marshall film, um, one of the most exciting things that can ever pop up on screen. It's when you know you're in for a good time that you don't want to think about too hard. A magician is showing rich people tricks. I think we should bring back magicians at parties. I love <laughs> close-up magic. That's my first note. I love Close-up magic. I love seeing it on camera. I was, I, I, my note on this is like, it's so satisfying to look at. It's such a great way to open the film. It sets up the whole thing about money, but it ends in the stupidest way. Cause it's like quite a, it's a very well-performed like little piece of sleight of hand with the coins, very satisfying to look at. And then it ends with him pulling a coin from behind someone's ear, which is the most dog shit trick in the world. It's like, don't incorporate that into your act, buddy. You clearly can do better work. Anyway, I enjoyed the opening um, of this movie. This is a side note about magic at parties because I have a friend who went through a phase about a year ago of whenever we had a party, he would hire a magician and not tell anyone. <laughs> and so we would be there and this guy would suddenly come up and just start doing a magic trick. And, I, and it happened at one of the parties that we had. So I was suddenly was like, we're having like a Christmas party. And I was looking around, there's this magician doing, and I could just oh, see, and I immediately was like, Shout out to you, Adam Connolly. Because uh, I was just like, this seems like an Adam move. And it was. And now he brings him to all of his gigs because he's a musician. He just has, like, he does these, like, um, endurance gigs where he plays for nine hours straight. And it's awesome. It has, like, different, like, it's a noise band. It's very experimental. But he still has this magician in the crowd just walking around. Go, and he pays him to do it. And he just always has his magician. That's that's genuinely quite awesome. Why also, wasn't shame, I sorry, I've never heard someone embarrass themselves so quickly on a podcast. Of just, you being like, Not- I love close-up magic. Is so. Have you listened to our podcast? What are you talking about? That was one of the least embarrassing things you said because I also love magicians and I love illusionists and I love like da- I like even bigger stuff. I love like the the Las Vegas. Is there a difference like- between a magician and an illusionist? Yes, yes. Think about David- Lincoln. Think about like David Copperfield. He's what. Um, an illusionist. <laughs> Is this a joke? He made the he made the goddamn uh, Statue of Liberty disappear, he can fly. Lincoln. Yeah, is that not magic? It's illusion. <laughs> Just okay. keep to this mic so hard. <laughs> Richard Gere, we see him. No, first we see Jason Alexander. He's a lawyer. He's hosting this party. 
Before he was cast in Seinfeld. Yes, before he was cast in Seinfeld. Um, then we see Richard Gere on the phone. To, it's it's to his girlfriend, but it sounds like it's to his secretary. Um, it doesn't go well. He's kind of looking down at the party. We reveal he's like a high-powered lawyer. Oh, sorry, he's a he's a corporate raider. He's a business um, guy. Sorry, and, and Jason Alexander is the lawyer, um, and they're getting into business stuff together. He talks to an old flame, which is a... A, a line that I really, really like and is kind of like a bit of a Gary Marshall special of um, when we were dating, did you speak to my secretary more than me? And then the lady says, she was one of my bridesmaids. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's really good, good stuff. Good. I'm currently on board the movie. Absolutely. Well, let's see when you when you hop off. When I go um, overboard? Uh, <laughs> Amy Yazbek comes over. I think she's she's playing Alexander's wife. I think she's really, really good in the movie. She's very little to do. Tells Jason Alexander that Gear is leaving. Alexander tries to stop him, but Gear steals Jason Alexander's car and drives away. You know what? I hate Gear already. Yeah. Right off the bat. He's, I know we're meant to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my The problem is... I stay this way the entire film. No, yes, I agree. It's a huge flaw the in the film. He's just so grumpy. He's so grumpy. He's got the most punchable <laughs> face in this movie. And it's the same face in the last movie. I didn't want to punch it then. Um, oh, smarmy little shit. We cut to the Hollywood <laughs> sign. So um, go, the King of Wishful Thinking by Go West plays. What an absolute scorcher of a song. I love that song. We see t- the title sequence happens over shots of Los Angeles, the city that famously never sleeps. And we, we get an and Hector Elizondo as the hotel manager. We love that villain. Right. Then we cut to Julia Ropps getting dressed. Uh, Julia, what did I just say? <laughs> Julia Ropps. Julia Ropps. Oh, no, that's her nickname. Roppy. Julia Roberts. Roppy McJulia. Uh, is getting dressed. We also get uh, the casting is by Diane Crittenden. The music is by James Newton Howard, famous composer. Uh, and the costume designer is Marilyn Vance. Let me just read to you Marilyn Vance's career. Marilyn just Vance. A, a, a snippet of it. The Breakfast Club. Nice. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Die Hard. Predator. The Untouchables, Pretty in Pink. Okay. Perfect. Pretty um, pretty damn good. Put her on the list. So Julia Roberts, we see her. She's walking the streets um, and a girl has died that she knew um, in the apartment building. And Hank Azaria, yeah, it's Hank Azaria is trying to control the crime scene. Only scene he gets is a real, is a real, will take you out of the movie for a second and be like, why is Hank Azaria there? He's also great. Yeah. Here's the thing. Hank Azaria has a butt ton of screen presence, you really expect him to come back. Yeah. He's got three lines. Yeah. This would be and like- he's got like a really like light touch, which can be like, he's he's doing something very serious, but his light touch kind of keeps the tone of the movie up. Like yeah. Very, very dark moment, mm. this as well, because what Hank Azaria is doing is he's running a crime scene where this woman has been found dead in a dumpster yeah. and there's two people coming up taking photos and he goes, what are you journalists? This is so disrespectful. And then the guys go, no, we're tourists. And they just snap a photo of it. It is fucked up. It yeah. feels like it is definitely a holdover from that original 3000 script. Yeah. I think there's su- there's such an interesting thing when you see something that is taken uh, that seems to be at least taken from that original script and how it like judders with the movie and the movie kind of like just massages it. Yeah, Hank Azaria is the only thing that keeps it, it keeps that that scene from dominating the entire Yeah. next um, half hour. So the scene with her getting ready though, go to her apartment. That's where you see the pictures on her wall where she's scribbled at her boyfriend obviously had a breakup. Yeah. We see her try and go to f- get the rent money where she's hidden it in the, yes. uh, the top of the toilet where she's and then she the realizes it's not there. It's not there. So and also we need to talk about just how funny it is that she's wearing a wig when she has the best hair ever. That 
wig is one of the worst things I've ever I've ever experienced in my yeah. life. <laughs> this, so she puts on people who haven't seen Pretty Woman. You should probably go and watch it before you listen to this podcast. But she Pass. puts on a platinum bob wig and like I get I think it's kind of meant to look cheap like she's meant it to look like, like she's in yeah. disguise but there's a point later on where it looks like Richard Gere seems surprised by the wig when he holds her hair <laughs> and I'm like it could not be more of a wig if it tried like it's yeah. the yeah anyway, um, I, I took that as him touching it and it's got a wet texture <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely meant to be like when it's like when Frodo first touches Shelob's webs exactly um, like that Sheila um, has such a beautiful wig in that movie. What I like about, you know me, I love a montage and we get to know a character and her getting ready to a song Absolutely. in her apartment where we see pictures of her. We, go, we know this character's going through a breakup. We know she's struggling with money. We know that she has has got to escape through the fire escape to get out to avoid mm. a landlord or a, like, yeah. you know, it's a, we she's get poor. everything we know. We're yeah, like, yeah. she. My, the opposite of Richard Gere right now. My yeah. only note on that scene was that I want to live in a place with a fire escape. I would yeah, never okay. use the regular stairs. <laughs> you can just chuck a ladder on your balcony, right? Yeah, I feel like actually I that would, would be available to you. You do live on I the second floor. I think that would kill me. <laughs> I need a fire escape. Yeah. I need it more readily secured. So Julia goes to the Blue Banana Club, which Christmas as far Friday. as I can tell is a painting sex club. It is both a sex club and also everyone needs to paint the walls because the first <laughs> shot of the blue, is the blue banana cult is similar to an American gigolo. It's like not a lot of extras in there. It's kind of empty and three people are literally painting the wall. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's kind of part of the, that's the juice it of could it. Be a, it could be a really great way of pulling people out of like K-holes and like when they're yeah, freaking out too just much. Hand them, hand them a paint roller. I reckon that would fully work that for me. That looks fun. I know. It's, they're kind of wearing kind of slinky outfits and they're all painting. Like that sounds that sounds like um, something that someone would design for like Newtown, like new mums or something. Yeah, to it's be like, like one of those play loud music and yeah, those like all wear your fun outfit and then we're just going to paint someone's wall. Yeah, it's like those art and wine things. Yeah, exactly. It would also be an extremely clever way of. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> no, so you market it as like a bridesmaid's have fun, have some wine and painting, but really what you're doing is just running a painting service. Okay. <laughs> Renovating okay. the club. Now here's the pitch. Here's the pitch. <laughs> two two ladies down on their luck start a painting as like it's a renovation service, yeah, and but all it's, they have to do is buy some drunk. cheap yeah, <laughs> buy some cheap bottles of red. And then they invite like they start with their friends, but then it grows and grows and grows. It's like fight club. And they do it, they do it. They do it by tricking other people into thinking that it's like an activity, but really they're just renovating houses at yeah. the same time. Yeah. I don't know if this is a pitch for a movie or how or a, a reality business. TV show <laughs> or our next like our next podcast. <laughs> really great podcast content. People painting walls. It doesn't matter. We'll be making so much money off the renovations. So Julia goes looking for um, Laura San Giacomo and accuses her of buying drugs with the rent money that she stole out of the toilet. They kind of chat about how rough they have it. The the line, "Don't you want to get out of here?" and and um, Laura San Giacomo says, "Where? Where do you want to go?" I think is really nice. Sets exactly kind of the tone of the the two of them. Should we talk about Laura now? Yeah, she's so fucking good. In she's this incredible. Movie. It's like the first time you see her, she's wearing these um, little flip up glasses that look so steampunk and cool. And I was like, I need those. Did you say steampunk and cool in the same <laughs> sentence? Just said. Yeah, I love close up magic. <laughs> I love close up magic and goggles. <laughs> yeah, she's great. I mean, I mainly know her from a great television series called Just Shoot Me. Uh, which stars David Spade. 
and her. <laughs> uh, and You're a huge spadehead. And yeah, it's a 90s show set in a magazine, like a Vogue-esque magazine. And she's great in that. And she's also in Veronica Mars. And because the guy from Veronica Mars who plays the dad, Keith Mars, is also in Just Shoot Me. And we can trace everything back to Just Shoot Me. Feels feels to me like um, Laura Sandiacoma should have a like HBO show now. Yeah. Like I feel like she needs because is it her that she was on NCIS later in her and did like she did like a lot of TV yeah and I'm TV. like give her she's one of the detectives in True Detective or no, give put her, her put a, her in High Rollers I don't know what that is it's our show oh <laughs> where we have drunk women renovate houses High Rollers High Rollers High Rollers yeah, 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 the, the yeah. pitch is developed <laughs> my I just want to briefly talk about Carlos in this scene who's Absolutely. there. Like drug dealer, aggressive, like force of antagonism that's clearly from an earlier script character who is wearing one of the worst outfits I've ever seen in a movie. I don't think I remember his outfit. He's wearing a sleeveless green collar shirt and a fedora and he looks like me. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like how I would have dressed up to go to a party when I was 15. Circa 2012. Yeah, really (laughs) awful, awful outfit. So then uh, Julia Roberts and Laura Sanchez-Como are working the street. Uh, Julia Roberts um, takes off her hat and this is when I wrote, oh, my God, that wig. Mm. <laughs> then we see Richard. The rest of the outfit, pretty fire. Absolutely. Those thigh-high boots, that little, like, the cut-out dress. The little ring. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a, a very uh, actually bought on Hollywood Boulevard, I believe. Like not like a very put-together outfit, like a cheap one bought off the street nope, specifically. fully designed. That Interesting. Is the, that is the other thing about Marilyn Vance that I learnt is that every single um, item of clothing they like made. There's like a couple like a pair of pants here or a jacket for Jason Alexander or something. Everything else is like fully constructed and designed. Interesting. I thought uh, I read that that one. Well, this is the thing. I've read a lot of facts about this movie and some of which I've been contradicted by other facts I've read. Yeah. That's, only, that, that, that's the interview I read with Marilyn. Oh, I believe, uh, I, I would believe um, you over it because there is a lot of like. Yeah. I think my favorite shot of the movie is when you see her zipping up her in the front. Again, why do I love – am I such a fucking basic bitch? I just love a montage where I get to see a character. Um, but when she pulls up her thing with the safety pin her, yes. her, and you just know immediately, you see this like, you know, getting ready, you know, montages are usually kind of glamorous and this one is just the opposite. Yeah, she's just like struggling to get yeah. a safety pin up for her thigh-high boots. Mm, and it's that, good stuff. It's good. We do see Richard Gere at that point driving up in Jason Alexander's Lotus Esprit. How do we feel about the Lotus Esprit, everyone? Pretty All right, good car, car guy, how do you reckon? <laughs> uh, I love the Lotus Esprit. It was one of the first uh, cars that I would get in a car game that I played on Xbox in like 2006. Interesting, that car was a third choice. They both, uh, they had sponsorships turned down by both Ferrari and Porsche not wanting to be associated with sex work. And, yeah, that is a complete failure on their part because this movie made almost $500 million. 100%. And also, I mean, I don't love the Lotus Esprit, to be honest, but I think it is a, it is more interesting that it's that than it is a Ferrari. Yeah. It also makes more sense with it being Jason Alexander's car. Yeah, that, that, I think, it's like, it's weirdly accidentally an incredibly good character choice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Richard Gere is struggling to figure out how the manual works. The car keeps stopping and starting. He's looking for Beverly Hills. <laughs> I wrote here, he does seem to be a complete dipshit. Like he seems to be the dumbest guy ever. He stops, um, talks to Julia Roberts, asks for directions. It's a wonderful scene. They, She gets in the car and is like, I'll, I will take you to Beverly Hills where you need to go. They flirt in the car. Richard Gere says, what's your name? Uh, Vivian is, sorry, I haven't said, Julia Roberts' character's name is Vivian. I need to start doing that more. She says, what do you want it to be? Julia directs 
geared towards his hotel. Um, she talks about the car. She loves cars. She grew up with a bunch of boys who used to take old American muscle and like soup it up. And then Gear says, my first car was a limousine. Really good. Really? You thought that was good? Yeah, I really like that. I ju- he, he, my he's continuous, unlikable. I know he's meant to be unlikable at this point in the film. I just had nothing to grip onto. I feel like I need a kernel of something to like in this I character. Think he's quite good in this movie. I don't think he, like, again, yeah, Maybe I think the character he, is quite unlikable. And I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it kind of fully resolves that at the end so that he becomes, like, suddenly likable. I just don't have, like, I know, I agree that it's probably a charming performance, but there is just so much I just find, like, sour milk in my mouth watching I this fucking guy. Don't mind that he's unlikable because I think it takes away that really could have been incredibly awkward. Prince Charming thing. You know, I mean, he could have been the most like. I think that if she has to teach him something, I, I, I think if he came in and was like, "I'm the greatest guy ever," like I think that it would be very much like a downer. Like it would be that that really typical storyline that we would expect to see from a Cinderella esque story like this, where it kind of I think that she has to teach him something, and this is basically like how to be kind of like she's so likable and it works. Yeah, it, yeah, it works because like the end of the movie is him doing what is the first act of Cinderella, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that that is the like that's him like going to save her and then she says I, I save you right back. It's like that's him he becomes prince charming over the course of the movie, yeah. which is kind of I mean, I again, I'm I don't not, mind that. I, I'm not yeah. really gonna be here to like to say that this movie is not problematic. Of course, it very of course much it is. is. But I think it could have been way more problematic. And I'm actually, I genuinely think that it's it's depiction of sex work. I don't. Th- I think it's aged better than I thought it would have because I think that back in the 80s or 90s, every sex work depiction would usually be probably what the original script was, which is 3,000, which is like. Um, you got to get her out of here. Like, but she's, she actually is like, they kind of treat the character Vivian and her friend with a lot of respect. Like they're, you know, that she's often like actually the smartest person in the room or like people have to kind of, like, I think yeah. that they do put that in somewhat of a better light. Obviously it's not perfect, of course. But um, I think in terms of how I was expecting the conversation about sex work to be in 2023 versus pretty woman, I think I was somewhat like, oh, okay. I know it technically, I think a lot of the criticism at the time was that it glamorizes sex work. That was a huge amount of criticism. Yeah, for the film. right. Which is yeah, whereas I'm, now. <laughs> I'm kind of like it's interesting because I think that now we talk about sex work in a way that we you know try to legalize it and make it decriminalize so people can you know it's a valid form of work and that's sort of the conversation. That's how I feel about sex work and that's what I would like to see represented more. I think I read a great article from sex workers to, like doing a reflection of Pretty Woman and how it kind of affected their life. And they were saying obviously it's a fantasy. And that's kind of the point. Like it's Cinderella, but they said that. They don't think it was that damaging for a reputation of sex workers because I think that the other stuff where it was like you're you're addicted to, which still isn't this film, like addicted to hard drugs and you yeah, have you to be on the streets and you must yeah. be saved in by the, this guy. In the original script she was addicted to cocaine and part yeah, of yeah, the deal yeah. for the 3,000 was that she had to stay clean for the entire week. Yes. And I believe she failed. The story came from J.F. Lawton working in a donut shop, I mm. think, um, very, very uh, like very early on. Um, and he, on Hollywood Boulevard, and he, he got to know a few a few of the, the sex workers that were working that strip and asked this lady, this lady told this story of like, this guy took me to Vegas for a week and he paid me like three grand. Mm. And he was like, and how did that affect you? Was it like hard to, hard to get away from him? And she was like, no, <laughs> it was fine. No, I went to yeah. Vegas, got three grand, yeah. came home with a new hat. But I think um, obviously in this time we're dealing with people who, uh, working on this, like as as the term is street streetwalker, I think was the term back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm uh, working literally on the street. 
as opposed to kind of how things would work today, I imagine. I'm sure there are still people who work streets, but I think um, it, it, it is important yeah. to have some representation of like that. It's not, it's probably a dangerous job. Of course. Famously a dangerous yeah, job. Yeah, fam- famously a dangerous But I think job. if every depiction is that, then it's boring. I think it's kind of interesting that they had even somewhat of a positive kind of <laughs> I, reflection of it. I don't I, know. I fully agree with that. My issue isn't even the depiction of sex, uh, sex work, which I think is complicated. My issue is the depiction of Richard Gere, and I want to punch him. So Gere, at that moment, maybe apropos, asks her how much she makes. Um, she says $100 an hour. He says $100 an hour. That's stiff. Julia reaches into his pants, says no, but it's got potential. They arrive back at Gear's hotel. Julia goes to leave, catch a bus, but he invites her up. Julia is shocked by how expensive everything is at the hotel. Did they... you say that she drove the car? Sorry, Sorry I forgot to say that's she does really start driving the car. He a lets her drive the car. He and demands she, she drives the car. And she's like... She doesn't say you better hold on tight, spider monkey. That's Twilight. But, uh, but like she, she says, says that full line. Like, I remember that line in this movie. It's she good. Says something like that. <laughs> you better hold tight, away. spider monkey. Is that is that the line? Yeah, I you better hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. God, what a, what no, it's, a classic movie. We will be Julia to Richard in this scene. Do it. Um, so you better <laughs> got hold tight, uh, spider, spider monkey, and they arrive back at Gears Hotel. Um, they surprise a fancy couple by an elevator. Julia Roberts being concerned about pantyhose that she's not wearing and then Richard Gere says the line that I really like first time in an elevator <laughs> which is really good he makes her put a jacket on before she walks in though because yes. he has some level of kind of but then she yeah. ends up just being like playing it up. this yeah. playing it up which is great too um, and what yeah. I wrote <laughs> at this point is the reason this movie works I think is because every side character in every scene is like holy shit that's Julia Roberts yeah uh, which is kind of the special power I think this this is what does that wife say to her husband she's like Trying to just stare, dear, or yeah. something like that, like <laughs> close your mouth, dear, yeah, or something like mouth, that. Dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first time where Richard Gere tells Julia Roberts to stop fidgeting. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. This Does is... it happen more than that time? It happens a lot, and I've okay. written it down every time. <laughs> it's here's another thing. It's really condescending, and I really it, it is. It is. It's it, a nail down the chalkboard. It is the, in my exact, brain. the exact thing that we were talking about. Of like, it is the thing of like, what if a a lady was really, really needed your help and wasn't classy like you are. Mm. And the end of the movie's like, and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's Pygmalion. It's so Pygmalion. So My Fair Lady, whatever your favourite version of Pygmalion is. But I think that kind of stop fidgeting, condescending stuff, it, it doesn't bother me because that's in his character because it's a class thing. And I think mm-hmm. it's, a, it's actually a... a um, Critique, like in the end, we're kind of we're more on her side this film than we are his. I agree. I, I, I agree so. that we're more on her side in this film. Yeah, I don't look. I think that's good. They and she get... also sits on. She is incapable of sitting on a chair, which I love. Yeah, <sighs> this movie is Julia Roberts sitting on different objects. <laughs> Not just Julia Roberts. It's also Sam. It's also who? Sorry, uh, <laughs> Richard Gere. No, no, no. Sorry, Edward uh, is G... his name. Laura Sanjiacomo. Mm, yes, yeah, sorry. Sam. Kit is her character. Yeah, name. Kit. Sorry, it's also Kit. Kit sits on objects as well. It's also Sam. <laughs> he said that with such <laughs> such certainty. It's also Sam. I always said, yeah, she just looks, looks like a Sam to me. It's what, what if what if the most beautiful women you've ever seen in your just life sat, sat on sat things? <laughs> <laughs> no, but sat on not chairs. It's a great character choice, though. I like it. They get into Richard Gere's penthouse hotel room. Um, he immediately sits down at a desk and starts going through mail. I found that that was so, I was so like. What, like, what are you, do- like, how, mm. anyway. Um, Hang on, this is before email, that makes sense. He's a working guy. Yeah, I, I know that's what it's there to establish, but you're like, I'm inviting this person up to my hotel room, just a second doll. He's rude. <laughs> he's very rude, it sucks. But that's that's his character, that's what he does with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah, yeah. to his secretary over here. Like, it he is doesn't- his character. 
Jill, I don't mind that. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I think I don't it's actually good. mind that. <laughs> uh, it's good, actually. Uh, Julia checks out the room. It has a balcony. Gear never goes out there. He says, I'm afraid of heights. They talk about Gear is a, a, a planner in all things in his life, and Vivian is a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type of gal. Then uh, Julia Roberts brings out a buffet of safety, a selection of condoms from which Gear can choose. But Gear doesn't really want to have sex at that, at that moment. He just wants to talk for a little bit. Julia Roberts guesses he's a lawyer, and then champagne arrives. Um, I've written here, Gear is so sleepy in this movie. <laughs> he really he is. He really got, is. He's got, like, Duchovny energy. There's, he's got big Duchovny, Duchovny, Duchovny energy, actually. Energy. But... That for me, I don't think that that doesn't grate me as much as it grates you. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of he's tight. He's an insomniac. He never sleeps. Mm. Um, maybe that's I mean, why I relate. I love sleepy characters. Yeah, it's true. But he doesn't quite have the um, irreverence that uh, the sleepy characters I go, have. Mm, as much. Yeah, he doesn't, <laughs> that's really he, he doesn't, doesn't yawn work. and do karate. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real problem. <laughs> it would be great if he did. If, if Gyu <laughs> yawned and did karate, it would be a better movie. If he was Kakashi. If he was um. Kakashi. <laughs> sorry, okay, actually, sorry. you recast Kakashi in this movie. I'm back on board. Absolutely <laughs> not. Julia, come, stop it. Julia comes Both into his stop. room and he's just like... <laughs> Julia Roberts takes her boots off and starts walking around. Uh, she tries. She drinks a whole bit of champagne immediately. Uh, Richard Gere says you should try a strawberry. It brings out the flavor in the champagne. This is the very the start of the <laughs> running theme of absolutely shut up. The, <laughs> the running theme of like Richard Gere showing her something that is like higher class. Yeah, you're trying to come back. You're trying to come back to the pod, but I can see in your eyes you're not listening to me. <laughs> No, you're not listening. Oh, like you have some sort of ocular jutsu you can see in her eyes. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna tear you both. Instead of limb reading mail, he's reading his book. Sorry, by Jariah. <laughs> Sorry. It's revealed anyway. that Gia, <laughs> Sorry, doesn't drink. That Sorry. is important though. I think that uh, she skulls the champagne. It's great. She doesn't like it. <laughs> yes. Which I have definitely relate to in so many occasions of my life. Yeah, champagne where, yuck. Where, no, champagne. champagne's delicious now, but I think like when people give you really fancy things you don't understand, you're like, yeah, yeah, what the yeah. fuck is this? Like, okay. I love to be given something that I don't know how to eat at a restaurant. I think <laughs> I now delight in it of like, <laughs> you're like, I don't, um, is, do I attack this with a fork? Which yeah. bits of this are edible? Love that. Yeah. Richard Gere, Edward doesn't drink. He he pays for, he pays Julia for the whole night. And this is when I read, this is a, a male fantasy of what if I was a very rich and gentle guy and could fix a woman's problem by being rich and hot. Um, and also she, she doesn't know the things that I know, so I have to teach her. Um, it's a kind of infantilization of women. 100%. So then Richard Gere catches Julia Roberts flossing her teeth in the bathroom. <laughs> and she, Julia Roberts, so good. She, she says you shouldn't neglect, neglect your gums, which yeah. is really, really good. That scene was originally in the, in the Lawton script, but she was doing cocaine. 100%. And it was, that was part of the 3,000 that, that it ends up being. Yeah. There's a really good line at the end of this scene um, – where Richard Gere says, which I, yeah, which kind of maybe might be from the original script, but it's Richard Gere saying, very few people surprise me. And, and Vivian says, yeah, well, you're lucky. Most of them shock the hell out of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good character work. That's, that's so good. Cut two later in the night. I was uh, going to say, it's a really good ad for flossing because she's got a really great smile with perfect teeth. So I was smile. like, fuck, I should really floss more. Like, thanks, Julie. That's <laughs> I what I took flossing. away from this movie. I went, flossing's maybe flossing good. To, maybe it's time to floss. I floss, I floss a lot. I also bathe. I need to like get a big, I need a huge, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. Bathe in a bath is what I mean. I don't bathe in a bath very often. And I, what I need is like a, yeah, a stop huge bathing bath, in that a bathtub that's like seven 
foot wide. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I, no, I spend a lot of time in the bathtub. Yeah. I, love I, I love ba- I love baths and I love flossing. I'm essentially pretty woman. I also <laughs> like flossing. Hey, just just so we know, guys, good hygiene, You're bathing. You're outside of it. <laughs> I haven't brushed my teeth in six years. <laughs> Later in the night, Julia Roberts is drunk uh, watching I Love Lucy, which is interesting because Gary Marshall wrote for The Lucy Show. Yes. She's like, I never saw this episode. Oh, hang on. I just have to go back yeah, really absolutely. quickly. Right back to when, sorry, you could be like, to where, well, we all where began. Richard Keir Speed. is looking for Beverly Hills and he asks a guy, and he says, is this Beverly Hills? And he says, and this homeless man says, oh, yeah, that's Sylvester Stallone's house. You know that bit? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that that's Gary, Gary Marshall, Marshall yes. doing it up. So that's just a cute thing. He did the ADR of that. But also that line is really funny. That, like, <laughs> I think he delivers it's a good it line. quite well. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's the, it's the house from Barbarian. And he's like, yeah, that's Sly Stallone's house. That's good. <laughs> Julie Roberts gives a wonderful kind of like laughing performance as she's a bit drunk, but all I could think about is how bad her wig is. Gary Marshall is tickling her feet out the outside that shot. Oh. Yeah. So then Julie Roberts tries to My seduce Gia. Um, as she starts to go down on him, it keeps cutting to I Love Lucy, which I thought was kind of an interesting directorial <laughs> choice. I, I don't think that's necessarily saying anything. It, it intercuts between I Love Lucy and Gia looking progressively sleepier. Yeah, so Gia, Gia gives such a contented sigh that he, he's, like, he's like, well, end of a day's work. <laughs> Later, he is having a shower post-coitus. He sees Julia Roberts' wig is off, finds her sleeping in the bed, um, sees the, her hair, um, and then gets back to work. Cut to Hector Elizondo. <sighs> He's walking through the lobby hotel saying hi to everyone. That's such a good way to... It's like a four-second shot, and it's a like wide tracking shot as he just walks through a hotel lobby and is like... How you going? How you going? And then we don't see him for another five minutes. But you do oh see him this notice manager. Julia. That's later. Well, Gia- in any case, this is 39 minutes and 19 seconds. Oh, I think this, I think you missed him in I the first one. Him. He's actually, he actually appeared, because it's a, it's a My big equations. wide. <laughs> it's a big wide shot of the hotel lobby. And I was like, that's Elizondo. Oh, no. And he's just like walking through and saying hi to everyone, which is a wonderful way to introduce That's a character. A great way, and I'm really bummed Almost out. Almost as good as a it. montage <laughs> with, with, with a song. I would pay good money for a montage of Hector Elizondo walking through a hotel lobby saying hi to everyone. <laughs> yeah, we um, do. With Everybody Wants to Rule the World playing, I guess. Perfect. Gear is up in the morning drinking orange juice, talking to Jason Alexander on the phone. Uh, they're talking about a deal that they're kind of making with a um, with Robert Morse. Not Robert Morse, that's someone else, but Morse is the last name. I think Jason Alexander is actually very good in this movie. Jason Alexander is amazing in everything he does. He's a really good actor. He's also the devil in this movie. Yeah. He Awful. plays the worst possible guy it's ever. A, it's he, a thing. But you that, like him. It's a <laughs> he does that in... I mean, even his most beloved role, he plays an awful person. He plays awful incredibly well. Yeah. George Costanza, obviously less awful than this character, but he's still like insufferable. That is his entire character. Yeah. I think he's doing an excellent job, an excellent job that would be thankless. It is a phenomenally skeezy, oily performance. It's like a man. He does it in so many films. He's uh, this kind of character in shallow hell as well. Like he does it in a (laughs) bunch of movies. (laughs) I, had completely forgotten that Jason Alexander is in Shallow Hal. I did not watch Shallow Hal. I gotta watch it. I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta pop that. Yeah, I reckon, on. I reckon that film's aged beautifully. <laughs> I reckon it's aged. I reckon it's like perfect. A wine, it like was, a nice shibli. It was a fucking problematic when it came out. So I loved, oh God, I can't Oy. even with that. Um, but yeah, I remember thinking he, he plays these roles a lot and he's mm. really talented at it. Mm. By all accounts, I think he's meant to be a really nice guy. 
guy. So yeah. I don't know. He's just a good actor. Oh, you'd hope so. Yeah, just a good actor. So Julia Robert quizzes Gear about what he does. He says he buys companies that are in trouble. He buys the debt of that company um, and then sells it off in little parts. Uh, explains that he's buying a company for a billion dollars. Vivian says, a billion dollars? You must be really smart, huh? This is the breakfast scene, right? Yeah, this is the breakfast she's scene. She's sitting on the table. Yeah, she's sitting on the table. And did anyone else notice that her croissant turns into a pikelet? <laughs> no, right. shame. I'm not the only one. Because <laughs> not only does it turn into so she's that eating is, a croissant. That is, I apologize to make fun of you. For, that is the most ADHD <laughs> sentence. Oh, um, you're detail oriented. Um, you, no, she's eating a croissant. It cuts to gear. It cuts back to her. She's eating a pikelet. It cuts to gear. It cuts back to her. The pikelet has less bites taken out of it. It's one of the worst pieces of continuity I've ever seen in a movie. And there are online theories that it's a magic pikelet. <laughs> that. Is bad. <laughs> it's just I a, hate you for saying it. I hate you for revealing this information to me. It's really jarring. Like it is a full <laughs> croissant, and then it cuts back, and it's immediately a pikelet. I she think, picks up another thing. No, there's she no. Takes a bite of a croissant. Clearly, she puts it down there's no time. She, she would have, no because she's using two hands. <laughs> <laughs> she's using two hands. Continuity. And it's barely a second. Dropped the ball on that one. Yes, the continuity dropped the ball on that one. I like that she doesn't sit on a chair. She Although continues to He makes to her sit on a chair. Yeah. Yes, he, and yeah, then he she does. sits like yeah. she sits how I sit on chairs in that bit, which is yeah. like leg up. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. am I Julia Roberts? Yeah, I think you might be. I think I'm Vivian. <laughs> which is interesting because there is a uh, interview online fan theory about <laughs> Julia Roberts sitting on a table. <laughs> there is an interview uh, <laughs> with Julia Roberts that is extremely skeezy and unpleasant. And talks about her stretching out over. Oh like, yeah, yeah. It's a really horrible interview. It is referenced in the you must remember this podcast I was talking about earlier that talks about how she. She stretches out and she sits down. And one of the comments in it is um, that uh, the podcast made is like, no interview has ever commented on how much space a man takes up when he yeah, sits down. Exactly. And Richard Gear comes in, spreads out his legs, puts an arm over and someone, then says, and then sit sit down. Yeah, it's yeah, another yeah. thing of Gear being like, it's another moment that I really. I don't like Gear's character. Oh, you're not good. meant to like that's, him. That's I know you're not. By the meant end to... of the movie, he's changed. I don't. Isn't that exciting? He just keeps indulging. <laughs> anyway, keep going. He overcomes his fear of heights for her. He um, does. So uh, Julia Robert then helps Gear put on a tie before he goes to kind of a big meeting. Mm. Um, I, I read here that it's it's kind of interesting that the the chemistry that they have is not so much this like sizzling like oh my god they're so hot for each other. It's much more like they're like an older couple that's been together, like immediately they have this kind of sense of like, sure. oh, they've already been together for a little while. They have this kind of like um, familiarity with each other. Yeah, when she's trying to seduce him in the – well, not seduce him, just get her job done uh, yeah. in the first scene with it, the first night. It's pretty like uncomfortably like he he's like off he's doesn't seem that keen. Does it, does he's it, awkward. He just wants to hang yeah. out. Like I think it works in that way. And then I think he's he just kind of goes, all right. Yeah. He's like, I'll turn off. I love Lucy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's turn off I love, let's I love this episode. I no, he just <laughs> mutes it. <laughs> he does mute it. That's right. He's like he, he mutes it, it and on. switches it to subtitles. But I think it's um obviously we've talked about the choice of having Lucille Ball that kind of screwball like icon, you know, mm. funny yes. like, like that obviously is a reflection of Vivian's character. Yes, which is well. like the, the progenitor of wh yeah. where this ended up. Yeah, and um, Gary Marshall obviously paying a bit of tribute. To himself. <laughs> to his own. <laughs> Richard Gere asks how she knows how to tie a tie and she says, I had a grandpa. He was nice to me. Just nice. Then we cut to maybe my favourite scene in the whole movie. Julia Roberts is singing in one of a genuinely huge 
bath. Um, she has a Walkman. Am I right that this is actually a Walkman? This is indeed a Walkman. Of course See, it's a Walkman. It's exactly the kind of technology that could have been used to record... Podcast? <laughs> no, Bill Duke in the previous film. Oh, right, I see. Gear uh, offers her a business proposition. He wants her to spend the week with her um, and he will give her a certain amount of money. The smile that Julia Roberts does in this moment is like the single movie star. Like immediately it's like, that's $400 million. Um, I like the singing did also not like, uh, I had seen this before movie before mostly in bits. And then uh, like once a long time ago, I didn't expect, like I got like, emotional when she does that smile. I was like, oh, it's oh. incredible. This, <laughs> oh. Oh, oh. Everything's cute. The singing was improvised. Oh, hey, that's great. By Julia. She apparently uh, came up with the idea. Yeah. But also that was from one of my uh, pages of facts that I do not trust, to be honest. Um, yeah, there's also that thing about when she goes under and comes back up that the camera crew had left or something. It doesn't something. make that's any sense. I was like, how is it? <laughs> they just left it running. Everyone left yeah. and it's just that's the camera. Yeah, I read film, that one too. But just keep it going. Was but it like a prank? Apparently the, they used detergent in the, you read this one too, right? They no. use like a lot of detergent to make it extra bubbly. So Ooh, it's not bubble bath. Yeah. But it meant apparently it washed the red hair dye out of her hair, like it stripped it. So she had to re-dye it after that. Right. Fun fact. There are some scenes where you can see her hair, like the dye just under her hairline. Which I think is great character choice as well. Because yeah. this character would probably not, would have regrowth. For sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Richard Gere says, or Edward says, I will pay you to be at my beck and call. I want a professional. I don't need any romantic hassles this week. Oh, how wrong he is. Edward leaves. Uh, Vivian runs around the apartment screaming $3,000. Goddamn, she's so good. She calls Laura Sangiacomo and boasts about her new gig. And then she says, like, where do I go to buy clothes? And Sangiacomo says, in Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive, baby, which is just a really good line reading. I also love that uh, Laura answers the phone uh, when she goes, where were you last night? She goes, ma, <laughs> which is just a great line. Julia Roberts then goes down to the foyer of the lobby, leaves some money for San Giacomo to pick up, basically to pay the rent that she used for drug money. She walks past Hector Elizondo, who eyes her and asks the lobby attendant who she is. Then we have a shopping scene, Wild Women Do by Natalie Cole plays. We cut to like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Diamonds on Rodeo, um, and Julia Roberts goes into a um, store shop asks her to leave oh, uh, because awful. she is poor. Mm. Uh, there is a very famous line. Oh, no, sorry. That that's line later. Later. Sorry, my fault. Immediately, I was like, that is such a crazy thing for a shop attendant to do. You should never, 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 ever do that. <laughs> like, Some yeah. would say it was a big mistake. <laughs> you, you might say that was a big mistake. Huge. Huge. It's a huge mistake. The, uh, my only note in this scene is that the mannequin that uh, in the background is in a really funny position. It's like this. It's got both arms up in zigzags. I don't think you've ever seen a movie in your life. <laughs> You're just distracted by <laughs> any passing bird in the I background. I enjoy things. I, look, I, I enjoy one. I enjoy things in the background of movies. I find it really fun to watch. I just do. I love the one. I love watching extras faces in the backgrounds. Absolutely. I think that's always really fun. And I also just like weird. Do I you think that's really fun. <laughs> I think. Okay, I will say this scene is hugely important because although she's been sparring really with uh, Richard Gere, they've mm. kind of been on the same level, even though he's technically employing her. Mm. She's been kind of challenging him. She's been kind of in control. I think we see her out of her element here. Yeah. We see her be very much treated to be small and kind of it's like a stark reminder and we have like, you know, the, first, the shot before is her literally dancing around the hotel room screaming and jumping mm. on the bed and 
you know, and then to have her taken down. It's, it's actually it's an awful scene. It's it's really important to the movie, but it makes me yeah. feel really sad. I was like, oh, just awful. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think when you feel like you don't belong somewhere, like, I don't know, it just as as a woman. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. In the, like, when you kind of go in there, you're sort of like, oh, like I'm not on this level. of Like, it's a lot of, yeah, I think it's, it's good. Yeah, it's a, it is a great scene. Great scene. Awful. Then she she returns defeated to the hotel where Hector Elizondo stops her in the hotel lobby. He asks who she is, grills her, takes her into the office to kick her out, you think. And then halfway through, he's like, look, Edward is a very important guest of ours. Mm. And normally this sort of thing doesn't fly. But because he's such a important guest of ours, I'm assuming you're a relative mm. which is really really good all of the coaching in that is wonderful and yeah he is wonderful in this movie he's like it's so funny i was so delighted watching this movie being like oh <laughs> this podcast does make sense <laughs> like of being like yeah we're tracking we're tracking this kind of different styles of acting over like different decades like from from 76 to 90 and like seeing this guy go from scumbum to like um, lovely older uncle is like such a lovely thing. And the twinkle in his eye, which is not there in Detective Sunday, which I think is is purposeful, but is like, and obviously like it's a bit of a Gary Marshall thing, but it's like, I I know it's silly to be like actors acting, like, but it is, it's just lovely to watch. Obviously at the start of the scene, he's, you set up to think he's going to be like a real problem for her. You know, like, mm. you know, he's kind of on her immediately. He knows he drags her eyes, like, let's go have a chat, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, oh, no, here oh, comes no. the big bad. Yeah. And then he turns out to be quite, like, you know, there's still things that he's kind of like, I don't, you know, but we understand each other. I think that happens in American Gigolo as well, where that idea of like sex workers being framed as hospitality. So people mm. who work in hospitality, people who have jobs that provide hospitality for other people kind of get each other yeah. and they have a level of respect, which I love. It, it is more at the front of the film in this, but I think it's more effective in American gigolo. Yeah, I agree. For certain reasons that we'll get to later. But Elizondo's character is without flaw. Like he is... So good. So, like, also, Gary Marshall, when he was describing how he thinks of all the characters in this, he's obviously... You've got Gear as the generic Prince Charming. Then you've got... Um, Julia as some cross between Rapunzel and Cinderella. And then Elizondo, he said, was the fairy yeah. godmother. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. He absolutely is. Which is so is. beautiful and a wonderful fairy god performance. And he picks up the phone. So, yeah, Roberts complains to Elizondo about how she can't buy anything to wear because all the shop people hate her. She's crying. She's holding, yeah. like, this big ball of money. Elizondo helps her out and calls his women's clothing girl. Very cool to have just be like, oh, I, I'll just call up my, yeah. my lady. That's Women's fashion, who also is flirting with him on the other side of that phone. Absolutely. Like, oh, we're going to talk about Eleanor Donahue. She's great. Um, Richard Gere and Jason Alexander, we cut to them. They're talking about business. <laughs> I was pr- pretty dismissive of this writing my notes. I was like, something in the big deal is going wrong. The business that's supposed to be going bankrupt suddenly has a $350 million do- deal to build destroyer class boats for the military, mm. the Navy, I think specifically. Don't care about that. Julia Roberts meets uh, Bridget, played by Eleanor Donahue, a one-scene performance that I think is, like, so incredible. It's just a wonderful... Anyway, just wanted to point her out. She's wonderful in this. Helps her out with some clothes for the big meeting tonight. Yeah, she says, going out, dinner? Well, you'll need a cocktail dress. 
Great. Julia Roberts runs back to tell Hector Elizondo about her nice new dress. I guess they're best friends now. It's the same thing in Speed of like, just immediately like the bus driver and Sandy are like the, the best friends forever. Like yeah. this immediate thing of like, you just need someone to be like, how good? Incredible stuff. <laughs> yeah, this movie might be infantilizing towards its lead character, but boy, is it just nice. <laughs> Elizondo then teaches Julia Roberts how to eat at a fancy restaurant. Teaches Training sequence. Training montage. Training arc. <laughs> Shrimp fork, salad fork, dinner fork. We learned the difference between the three. Um, that night, Elizondo uh, meets up with Richard Gere in the lobby and talks about Vivian, describes her as the intrigue. Your niece is an intriguing young woman. Mm. And Gere's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, your niece, the woman you uh, that's in the thing. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. And, uh, <laughs> and Richard Gere's like, great, no worries. Walks away. And then Elizondo goes, I'm the... Manager of the hotel, sir. Yeah, <laughs> and walks away, my note on that so was good. like, Gear being rude to Elizondo, really not helping. <laughs> Gear then goes looking for Julia Roberts, finds her in the hotel bar. Um, she's in a beautiful black dress. I've just written, she looks good. Um, and Richard Gear agrees. Yes. In that moment, he agrees. Does a great little double take as he doesn't recognize her at the that's start. That's so good. It's that's good. That's, re- that's, that's a real. really good, like, that's a great double take. It's you a don't good get Gary to do Marshall them very stuff. much. Yeah. You know? Julie Roberts says, you're late. And then Gear says, you're stunning. They go to dinner. Mr. Morse, played by Ralph Bellamy, who is in a bunch of, uh, is in a couple of like 30s yes. slapstick comedies, uh, uh, um, screwball comedies. His last performance. Oh, really? There you go. R.I.P. to Ralph. Great. He's fucking great. Great in this supporting role. And his grandson, David Morse, played by Alex Hyde White. Let me give you Alex Hyde White for a second. Ishtar, 1994's The Fantastic Four. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. 1994's. Yes, The oh. Fantastic Four. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Catch me if you can. Nope. That's a great list. What a list. I also really want to watch the 1994 Fantastic Four, which is the one that was only made to keep the rights of the Fantastic Four with, I believe, it wasn't under Fox's banner. So it was, uh, yeah, so it was made for about, I think it was made for less than a million dollars and it was not officially released. It was released on, I think, one screen exclusively so the rights didn't default back to their original creator. Uh, Uh, You know what I thought was going to happen? when I first watched this movie. Mm -hmm. And then when I forgot what happened, I watched it again. The grandson. (laughs) I thought, you know, at the start, am I wrong in this? So at the start when they are, uh, when him and Julia Roberts' character is on the street uh, and a Ferrari drives past with a guy on it and he goes like, give us a, like, it's my birthday. And he like heckles her. I straight up thought that that was him. And I thought it was going to end up that he realised who she was. And that's what I fully thought was going to happen and it didn't amount to I that. I don't think that's him. I know it's <laughs> no, not. it's not. But I thought that it was for a second. I had this whole new, I was like, oh, is that what happened? I was like, wow, interesting. She's going to get like, and then I, I was like, oh, wow, this is so wrong. A, cl- a classic thing in this, I bring it up later, but a classic Gary Marshall thing is like, look, there's no real conflict here. Like, <laughs> don't, don't stress about there actually being anything maybe going wrong. Like everything, yeah, there's just never anything that she's never really going to get. It's the, it's the same thing as the Hector Elizondo thing of like, you think it's going to be, fuck, this is going to be a big conflict. And then mm. it's like, and everyone loves you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I was so wrong about that, but I had this whole side plot. It makes head. sense. It, it does make sense. It's that, a, it would be a good note. It would be It would be <laughs> something that you'd add to the script in a script that was not a Gary Marshall film. <laughs> so uh, the other thing, sorry, very quickly about Alex Hyde-White is that he is known as Punch to his friends, <laughs> which is awesome. I want to be called Punch. <laughs> I love this scene because these two are nice. 
And yes. that's how it, that's like a thing. They're, they're from the club. They're like the first kind of window into, it's important because. Yeah, they're the good billionaires. Yeah. That's exactly right. And they let make her feel welcome because he, you know, that, that, that line where he goes, I never know which one to use. You know, like yeah. I did yeah, yeah, the yeah. fork. So. And gear yeah, particularly the granddad, girl. Ralph Bellamy is like, mm. nah, I'm just a donnery old man and all I want to do is just own my business I got, that I make. I, make, I think he I built. work for the military industrial complex. <laughs> I make ships, I like... for the, ships for the Navy. I think it's meant to be kind of. In my head, even though actually looking at what he does, it's probably not makes no sense. But I feel like he built this from the ground up, and he's a salt. That, that's what I got from that. Performance. He's definitely supposed to be a salt of the earth yeah. guy, a salt yeah. of the earth billionaire. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> then they they start to talk business. Gear's is kind of being an asshole. Um, Vivian tries to deal with the food. Um, I describe it as like the Temple of Doom scene, but with French food rather than with monkey heads. Then one of them slips out of her uh, fork. Uh, and the waiter catches it. He says, she says, slippery little suckers. And he says, it happens all the time. The exact same thing happens with the same actor playing the waiter in Runaway Bride, I think. No, it's a Princess Diaries. It's Princess Diaries. Oh, which fantastic. I've now realised in hindsight is literally the exact same movie, except she's turning into a princess instead of just like, and like even though she's, it's like the PG, it's like the G-rated version. It's also her grandmother. Yeah, but like it's not like it's a G-rated storyline. A hundred percent. Richard Gere plays her grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> no, as in like it's obviously Better. not to do with there's like the romance yeah. storyline, but I mean like in terms of just it is a movie. How it's a fairy tale. It's a movie about glowing up. Yeah, and her <laughs> just feeling it outside, and the same actors are in it. Hector Elizondo plays. The, the same, same character. <laughs> that right. guy plays the same character. Yeah. And I love this like weird cinematic universe I'm, of like different ratings of like different levels I of edge. Princess Diaries in a long time. I, we I, are I'm gonna, gonna do the oh, yeah, we we're are gonna do officially it. Next week. it. Is there a love interest in that movie? Yes, there is. Who, who plays the love interest? I don't know his Foot name, but he's kiss. he's the um he is her best friend's brother and he's a musician. He couldn't be in the sequel, so they wrote him out. <laughs> and right. they said that his band was doing really well. Look, you guys don't have to. I am going to watch both. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, three. One, Are there three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there might be a straight-to-video three that doesn't have Hathaway in it. I've seen one and I've probably seen two. I don't think I've ever seen two. I saw one at the two. cinema. I saw both in the cinema. Anyway, after the dinner, Julia Robertson Gear talk about what happened. She's like, clearly, clearly the business is going well and you could fuck this guy over, but she kind of says to Gear, it's like, you clearly like that old guy. You have a conscience, so this is going to be hard for you. And Gear's like, no way, I'm such a bastard. Nothing could get under this cold exterior. Julia Roberts then uh, watches TV. I think that's How to Marry a Millionaire is the movie that she's watching, which is good fun. Uh, finishes the movie, then goes to look for <laughs> she's studying. Ed Lewis downstairs. Uh, he's playing... This is this is actually this is my favorite scene that is not good. <laughs> she goes downstairs in a little um uh, dressing gown um, and he's playing piano <laughs> to a bunch of um, like lobby boys and janitors closed the bar, obviously. that have closed the bar and are all just like god damn he's so good. I'm not a great pianist. It's just fine. <laughs> They're all sitting there as well and then he says like he waves his hand says leave and they all file out. They're not sitting there enjoying them. He's they're waiting for him to, to leave. leave. <laughs> he, they're, they're, their job is to close the bar and he's not getting off the piano and no one can speak to him because he's a billionaire. This Also, the, the end of the scene is that they have sex on the piano. That's right. Someone else has to clean that fucking piano gear. That's right. <laughs> you absolute trash bag. This, you don't own this fucking, I hate him so much. Yeah, not gonna lie, piano scene, still kind of hot though. <laughs> absolutely. Like, I, I personally would not be able to 
navigate that if I were Julia Roberts in that scene because I had the same reaction. I'd be like, the poor bartenders need to leave. Can you please get – can you get back leave. up to your presidential suite? This isn't a fucking piano. <laughs> for a movie, it's a bit of a sexy scene. It's probably the sexiest scene in the movie, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah I and a famous it, I, sex scene. Is it? I like that the piano keeps going dong. Yeah, because the piano keeps going dong and it's like we kind of see – it's just like a very kind of um, – Interesting comparing this sex scene and the American Gigolo sex scene. Like this scene is all – Constant movement. Yeah, like, it's a sex scene. It's yeah, an actual sex scene. Yeah, rather than chocolate. like this kind of dis- disjointed, like weird. What did you say? An ad for chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say that there's a great line before he storms downstairs where she's like, "Why don't we watch some old movies?" And just say veg out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really again um, acting, like not acting. Sorry, putting towards your theory of like they somehow seem more comfortable than like it's kind of that's what I would do with my long term partner. I'd be like, "Yeah, stress for dinner. Let's like." Order some pizza yeah, and yeah. watch something like, out. yeah, they kind of it's it's nice. And then he's like, no, let's go no. have sex on the piano. I'm going to go downstairs and play Sorry, piano. I mean, yeah, because he's sad because he feels guilty about the business deal that he doesn't want to do. So he's going to play so he's it like, out. I got to play it out. Hey, I understand. I understand that impulse, <laughs> but to to force people to listen to you is um. Yeah, it's really, really rough. Um, it's sexy, but it's also lacking intimacy in a way as well. It's like kind of, I and I think is yeah. important. Because it's important, he, but it's purposeful, I think. Yeah, yeah, because you see him still, we still see this man using those around him. Like he's yeah. he kind of owns everyone in this scenario. Yeah. yeah. In the morning, uh, Edward gives her a card to buy anything she wants. Uh, takes her into a shop and says he's going to buy an obscene amount of clothing. Um, I didn't actually write his name down. I'm so sorry, but the the, the manager of the shop yeah, yeah. here. Uh, he's in Larry Miller. Larry yeah. Miller. Absolute he, dynamo of a guy. He works forever. What an incredible form. In Boston Legal. Uh, really good in Boston of Legal. Of course, he's a Boston Real Legal Real Boston guy. Legal guy. There's a clothing montage. I just wrote, Pretty Woman, the song. Uh, Julia Roberts. <laughs> oh, it's the song. <laughs> I was somehow surprised. Written by Ray Orbison. Yes, that's right. Back. Julia Roberts in a, a stunning kind of white dress um, with the buttons all down the front. I love, love that look. She goes back into the shop that wouldn't serve her yesterday, and this is where we get the line, you work on commission, right? Big mistake, huge. Very um, good, in my opinion. Very good. Richard Gere, once again, though, in the scene before, is rude to all staff. So I... <laughs> yes. Yes, he is, rude. he is rude to all staff. So then we cut back again to the boring stuff. Richard Gere and Alexander are talking business. Um, Alexander pleads for Gear to finish the deal with Morse and Gear thinks about building blocks. Um, we will come back to the building blocks thing. I think it's... Um, extremely funny and very problematic in kind of today's current lens. That's the other thing. His core thing is about learning to be a better billionaire. Like that is right. That is the other thing that makes this movie just fall apart for me is like, it's all the same. You're either making stuff and this is like, Oh, what all the like stuff, the takes at the time that were like, this isn't a movie about love. This is a movie about capitalism. This is a movie about ownership and possession and money. That is all like the more complicated way of looking at it. That's a more deep, like smart take than it. But the problem is, He's so unlikable. He's so unforgivable. There's nothing in there. There's nothing inside him. He doesn't change significantly. All he does is commit to a relationship once in his life and decide to build ships once in his life for the Navy rather than just taking apart other companies and selling them, which is a, they're morally even. Nothing changes in this man. 
Nothing changes. He just wins. I think heaps of things change in this man. Bear in mind this takes over the course of a week. It does take over the course It would of be week. pretty weird if he suddenly was like, you know what? I'm giving up everything. I think it's baby steps you're, kind of vibe. And it would be right, weird. I don't think this character deserves a single thing. Like there's nothing in this starting character that makes me want to see him get better. Well, that's life. This is a that's how this works. <laughs> that's how movies the go. The rich get richer. The rich do that's, get richer. That's reality. Um, it, but this it, is literally a fantasy. Yeah, but it's fantasy from her perspective. He has to be able to provide the financial. That's the, thing. Yeah. Stuff. the thing about having money though is obviously it's morally wrong, but it is nice. It is. Sick. And Gary Marshall likes things that are nice. He likes ni- nice things. It's also. The best scene, the best scene of Gear is right here because it's Julia Roberts and Richard Gear having a bath together. This uh, you just like baths by the sound of this. I also like baths. Gear's feet are pruny at the start of this, which I I, I know is to indicate time, but seems really like it's kind of weird, weirdly off-putting for this such a sheeny movie. Quite mm. a few feet shots in this movie. That's true. So just throwing it out there. They talk about um, Edward Lewis's <laughs> Not mother. Say anything. <laughs> they talk about Edward Lewis's mother dying um, and how he was very angry at his father for her death. I think that when he's like, I, it cost me $10,000 of therapy just to say that I am very angry at my father. I think that's so good. It's such a good performance. I think it's a him. good performance. And I think he, he becomes slightly more sympathetic in that moment. Um, Next day, they're at a polo game. Jason Alexander is rude to his wife. And like the f- we cut to Alex- Jason Alexander being like, watch where you're walking because if you step on something, we're not going back to the car, which is really, really good. <laughs> Julia Roberts meets some society society ladies and then they put they put the divots back into the grass. Apparently, that's yeah. a polo Has anyone tradition. ever been to a polo game? I learned it in this movie. I learned it in that movie and I didn't question it because I... I've never been to a polo game. Yeah, I guess in that's a shocking something. twist. I, well, I know. <laughs> really? It's I, weird. I'm a high society lady. I know. <laughs> I've seen your hats. They're huge. <laughs> uh, You've I, got that Michelle Williams hat from that uh, promotional photo for the Fablemans. Have you guys seen that huge hat? Yes, the umbrella yeah, hat. God, that's such a big hat. My note on this, having never watched polo before in my life, was like, who was the wild card that was like, yeah, but what if it was in a swimming pool? What? Oh, like to oh, make water polo. water polo. I was like, right. Sorry, I was, I was like, did you watch so, this? <laughs> yeah, no. The, I just, the, I, I was like, oh, that's what polo is: horses, hammers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How the hell does this work in a pool? I think they're different sports inherently. Why are they called the same? Like, I know but there's no answer for it on this podcast, the movie podcast. No, no, no. I know. You know? <laughs> no, I've got oh, no I, idea. Please get in the comments and form to um, me the origins. So, of water polo. this. Really hammers home that this film takes a bunch of inspiration Hammer. from um, Pygmalion and My Fair Lady because there's a famous scene in My Fair Lady where she goes to the races and she's looking. It's Eldrie Hepburn and she's oh. like, you know, with her big hat and, she, and then she starts like screaming. <laughs> she's like, yeah, funny that. And oh, it's that's a, funny. And it's a kind I've of. I've seen that movie. I should watch it. You should absolutely watch My mm. Fair Lady. Um, or look up Julie Andrews doing the original stage version. Yeah, I think I think I've I've seen n- not the Julie. I, I, <laughs> I saw it in 1960. No, I saw a stage production of it a very was long a, time ago. I was in a production of Pygmalion in high school, but not My Fair Lady. Okay, I played the lawyer. Okay, Jason. Uh, the polo game is David Morse, the grandson. Um, he flirts with Vivian um, and shows her his horse, uh, which is great. Jason Alexander <laughs> sees this and is immediately suspicious of Julia Roberts being a con on Gear and his business. He thinks that she was hired by David Morse to seduce Richard Gear, industrial espionage. Well, and I wrote here, this is the thing that I'm talking about. This has nothing to do with the central co- conflict and adds no real stakes, but has the feeling of conflict without actually mm. injecting any into the movie. And I 
was like, that's the Gary Marshall magic. Um, oh, I mean, it does have stakes in the next bit. Like in terms of the main conflict of the film, that Jason Alexander and his disdain towards her yeah, is I, the huge thing a, that happens. It's the societal pressure between uh, Gear and – it's the external representation of societal pressure and like the class difference between Gear and uh, Julia. And like, his yeah. treatment of her – yeah, yeah, but the, like, yeah, him him being wrong about it is the thing. The thing that's like, yeah, I think it would be easier to kind of like mm. keep that up. But the the thing that changes is that uh, Gear tells, yeah, yeah which is the main conflict. That's the, that's yeah. the thing yeah. that becomes the conflict. Um, also, stop fidgeting. Um, me? No, I'm. That's the <laughs> okay. It's pretty rude to say. Julia Roberts and Richard Gear have a fight. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, so Gear then tells Alexander that Julia Roberts is a sex worker and Alexander immediately goes and tries to pick her Solicitor. up. Yucky, yucky, mm-hmm. yucky, yucky. Um, uh, Julia Roberts and Richard Gear have a fight about him revealing she's a hooker to Alexander. Um, he made her feel cheap. Weird echoes of scenes in American Gigolo. I, I wrote, if you are poor, even if you were invited into high society, you can never truly be a part of it. Yeah. They think their blood is different than yours and no matter how gracious they are, it'll never work. Also, I wrote, this scene is really weird. Then it ends up with them kind of making up and in bed and Gear says, you could be so much more. That is like my least favorite part of the movie. I this wish is, that scene was not in the movie. This is also the cliche of jealousy as a compliment. Um, we haven't talked about the bellhop guy. Oh, we have Yeah, later. Dennis. <laughs> um, because in this, I like when he, she goes to storm out of the penthouse and she calls the elevator up and he, he sort of been like on her team as well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like he's part ev- of their crew. Ev- everyone is, on is her immediately team. like, Holy shit! Just, that's Julia. I'm Robbins. very charmed. Everyone by this charming in the person. hotel is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and she Which is the service worker. Great stuff. Yeah, but it's so funny. He arrives and he's like, eh? and then he's just like, oh, and he leaves again. <laughs> he argument. Like the Homer back into the bushes. Yeah. Into the elevator. What does he say? Wow, you were the Simpsons reference this episode. That that's was right. not a twist that I saw coming. <laughs> I think that there's a line there where she says, "You made me feel cheap, cheap cheaper than anyone yeah. else has," which is interesting. Next day, now everything's resolved. That that scene takes like it's like two scenes. They have a huge fight, and then immediately it's resolved by Richard Gere being like kissing her on the like. Uh, no. no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't kiss her then. But it is just being like, you know what? I believe that you could be more than what you are right now. Yeah, really bad. Um, Did we mention the rule of no kissing on the mouth. It's hugely oh my important god! To <laughs> yeah, this movie plot. Um, so there's a rule for Julia Roberts's character, which is that when she's working, she refuses to kiss on the mouth because it is too intimate yeah. and it could lead to developing feelings and it makes it less of a business transaction. I think that's Very one important. of the smartest things any movie has ever done is being like, hey, you know the thing that you know these two movie stars are going to do and the whole thing that you came to the fucking movies for is to see the prettiest people in the world kiss? They're not allowed. No way this is going to resolve. I think that's like... I know it's probably kind of patently ridiculous, but I, I'm like, that's genius. That's like such a smart, clever thing yeah, to be like, that's the rule of the movie. No kissing allowed. That's a fun premise. Yeah. I will also note that I'm pretty sure this is exactly when I started watching the second half of the movie and I hadn't had my coffee. <laughs> and every note for the next, until I get my first coffee is extremely angry. Okay. <laughs> next day they go on a date. Julia Roberts is in a beautiful red de- dress. She looks uncomfortable in the clothes, which is a nice touch. Mr. Lewis gives Vivian a nice necklace. He pretends to slam the box on her hand. That's Julia Roberts' actual laugh. This is the Viggo Mortensen kind of like, this is the rom-com version where (laughs) we know that if everyone goes, you know that he improvised that and she didn't know it was going to clasp down. He did the, yeah, and she Um, laughed. It's great. She says, if I forgot to tell you later, I had a really good time tonight. 
That's really good. That's a, just a good line. Um, um, let's just talk about the red dress. We, we, you just brushed over it like it was no big thing. Oh, like it absolutely. wasn't the most stunning dress to ever appear on screen. Like that it's is that outfit, dress. the way she looks going to this uh, spoiler opera that she's about to go to yeah. is insane. And it's, one, it's like been voted one of the most iconic film dresses of all time. It is really, it's really gorgeous. Beautiful. I think it's my third favorite dress in the film. Is your first one the first? <laughs> <laughs> no, my first one is the white um uh, kind of slightly more business lady with off. the hat. Um, my second one is the uh, brown polka dot dress that she wears to the polo. And then the third one, I think, is the, is the red one at the opera. That is wild. The red one is glorious. Yeah, the red one is absolutely beautiful. And gear. And I this, love them all. They're all, you know, they're, they're all then again, you know, what we've learned from this film is there's an occasion for every dress. So mm, we've actually, right. uh, depends on what your vibe is. That's you want a class. cocktail dress? <laughs> and, uh, an opera dress? <laughs> gear compliments Julia Roberts in this particular sequence, saying that you're really beautiful. Fallen by Lauren Wood is playing. Elizondo sees her in the dress and smiles like a proud dad. They get onto Lights a private jet room. and go to the opera. Julia Roberts watches the opera. I think that's why you nominate her for an Oscar. Because um, she can make it look like opera is interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, well, some people, <laughs> the first time they see opera, they fall in love with it, but that's a very rare sort of person. Um, and you're clearly not one of them. To be fair, neither am I. Don't like opera. Uh, next day. <laughs> I can appreciate, I mean, obviously the opera we go and see is La Traviata, which is literally the storyline of yeah, Pretty Woman. The, the so there I you go. I remember when we first became friends, I came over with a bunch of beers to your house and we were drinking and I was like, oh, what have you been up to? And you were like, I'm one eighth <laughs> of the way through the ring of the Nibelungging Gong. Yeah, and I was the like, cycle. What are you on, man? <laughs> I'm on music. <laughs> I like opera. I um I appreciate it. I think if I see it, I'm like, God, good job, you. <laughs> good job, good everyone. Bloody job. Um anyway. Um I'm 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 to be fair, probably neutral in opera, but I I just get, get to, <laughs> Julia Roberts is so good in that scene. She, Julia Roberts she, is incredible. And in I, that I scene. actually want to have a conversation. <laughs> have you seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire? No. Okay. I want to Celine Siamo, if you're listening. Is the last scene of your movie inspired by this? I'll leave it there. Uh, next day, Gear takes the day off work. Jason Alexander is shocked while playing Tiny Pool. Tiny Pool! <laughs> Love Tiny Pool. They go, Gear and Julia Roberts go together to a park and read Shakespeare quotations, which is so <laughs> funny. She literally makes him touch grass. Yeah. She pulls off his shoes and like plants his feet in the grass. Absolutely. They go to a what kebab shop. What do they do? Sorry? What quotes do they do? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do this right no, now. No, no, I can't remember. I'm sure it's... I'm oh, sure it's just it's... a book that says that no, the they title don't, of the book is... No, they don't actually read anything. It, there's a t- it she's, says... He's reading a book to her and the title of the book is Shakespearean Quotes. Oh, it's so funny. It just says Shakespeare quotations. Sorry, Shakespeare yeah. quotations. Um, yeah, but they don't actually read read to each other. But if I had to guess, it Are would be some of the sonnets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he made them all into pies. What? <laughs> Is this a dagger I see before me? <laughs> yeah, that's what they're doing. They're doing to be or not to be. That and is well, the really question. Really is the question. Yeah, sorry, this is when I uh, – so Julia Roberts, uh, they're back at home. She's in this stunning nightgown. That might be – no, I guess that's my number four. I do love the nightgown. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I know it's maybe problematic, but it's really smart to have the rule of your characters be like, we're never, ever going to kiss. I also will say I love the line, he sleeps. He it's sleeps. such a good little delivery. It's really sweet. I don't think it's problematic. I think it sets boundaries in her business relationship and it's okay. Yeah. Because they and then when I she, um, she buys her own kind of um she's the one that initiates, she's not like he forces her to kiss. Yeah. 
Sex scene happens here where they kiss, shot through a wall divider, which I always think is funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's always like very clear. It's like to give the shot kind of like motion and interesting kind of shape to it. But I'm always like, that's just a wall divider. It's just a guy. <laughs> this is where I fell asleep. That's crazy. Yeah, after the opera, I was out like a light. That's a crazy to me. I know, I know. And I um, had to pick it up again. So next day, <laughs> the end of the movie kind of starts. Gear is going back. Oh, sorry. The night before, Julie Roberts says, I love you, but Gear doesn't respond. Yeah. Um, kind of sad. Next day, Gear is going back to New York, and Julie Roberts is pissed that he's not staying with her um, and thinks that she can still be bought for him. She kind of rejects the whole notion of what this thing was. And it's like, I don't even want the money because now this has become something else and you're mm. not being honest about it. Because this is where he offers to basically uh, make her a kept woman. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, I'll buy you quotes. an apartment, I'll buy you any clothes that you want. All you have to do is when I come to New York, uh, to LA, you have to service me. Like, And it's like, Ugh, that's not what we agreed on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's his his version of a relationship as well, which is what he's always kind of done. Yeah, he wants of, transactional. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I wrote here, no set has ever looked more on the ground than this balcony set. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is some, uh, it's like real fancy high school Romeo and Juliet balcony going on. It's like a lack of wind or something. The air the, seems still. The air is still. completely still. And there's like, they look down and you're like, I can tell that your eyes are looking at like as far as this table. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it is an extremely flat set. And I don't know how that is. I don't know how that effect is created. Like how it so clearly looks. I mean, it's also it just kind of does the placement like of the camera as well, because the camera is that's placed. Part of it? The camera is placed just out and below the yeah. uh, below the edge of the balcony, which would be the hardest place to film. Yeah. If, and if you ever got a proper reverse shot or any sort of mid shot, you would you'd get a more sense of space and height. But yeah. because of it so often being in the same spot, which is like about half a foot below the handrail, it's like oh, this is just ghostly and weird. Mm. The 2023 version of this movie is her going sure takes his deal. And is like, and and is you know, like, is kind of like, here's a sugar daddy. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. If you have a sex worker who treats sex work as a job, as opposed to getting emotional and kind of carried away with it, if you're going the non rom com version of it, similar to White Lotus season two, where it's sort of like a, you can, yeah, I think there's a yeah. version of this movie where that happens, well, and where and the, like, the power sucker. balance suddenly changes, absolutely. and then it becomes, you know, it's like her siphoning his money slowly yeah. as she gains more and more power, and that's an interesting. I movie. would have loved that movie, yeah, because Richard Gere. I it's called Sanctuary. It's out in theaters in <laughs> September. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this movie is a rom-com where she wants to fall in love and she doesn't want to continue her job because she wants to be in a real relationship with yeah, him. She, that is, a, they're changing the yeah. dynamic. Of she has a princess in a castle speech. Did Julia, yeah, she gives a big monologue about being saved by a white knight. My partner, Rachel, your your guy's friends, <laughs> my partner. Um, Are you bragging? This, What's going on? Who I, <laughs> that's right. I, I have am. a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> Humble brag. You uh, all know. Now, uh, you guys know this, but the audience may not. Uh, has a degree in um, so, uh, feminist science fiction. She said she was watching the kind of second half of this movie with me after a meeting and she just screams out after that <laughs> that monologue. She screams out, she wants the fairy tale. There's nothing wrong with that. That's feminism. <laughs> <laughs> um, which we love and is true. Sure. Yeah. No, I, that's why I think I don't – I. that's why the issues I have with this movie surprised me considering I, I was expecting – to be like, oh, and I think it through a modern lens, you're kind of like, that's fine. She wants that. Yeah. All good. 
I was just bored at this point. That's yeah, so it does, no, it does nothing crazy for me either. To me. It does nothing that for me either. That is so way. crazy yeah. to me. I, like, I'm so happy to like talk about the problems with the movie in terms of like like the the um, capitalism stuff and the, like the way it treats the Richard Gere character. It is so not boring. It is so delightful in every poor of this movie's being it that's so bizarre to look me. i think i i know that i am in the minority with that opinion and yeah. i know that that's uh, that's interesting we both have this take because uh you know it's a pretty successful film people like it a lot people enjoy it it's a rom-com that people like to rewatch. i'm I, people i don't yeah, think which is fine <laughs> i think it's like i just don't i just it just doesn't do it for me as a movie i don't know what it is i think it is actually probably to do with maybe the storyline with richard Gere and the business and that kind of thing or maybe because i it's like, Love my that's fair like lady, four so minutes like, of the movie. The uh, business thing is like, it, it, like uh, they try and fly past that shit so fast. Uh, is it a long? It felt, felt it's quite long. long. Um, it's an hour fifty. That's long. I think for a rom com. I don't think the um. I don't said over a course of a week. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I'm necessarily bored by it. I am just unenthused at po- multiple yeah, points, sure, sure, sure. and it is almost always, it it it, it falls between the sequences where I. I'm enjoying seeing Julia Roberts enjoying her life and then frustrated about her and gear because I'm like screaming, just leave, just take the money and run. I don't disagree. Uh, Laura Sanjiacomo is back. She's waiting in the lo- lobby so with happy about Hector that. Ellis. So am I. Yeah. So happy um, about both of them together. She rolls her eyes and blows bubble gum at him, which is great. Um, then the gals hang out, which is a great scene. The gals Julia Roberts actually... This might be my favorite outfit in an incredible kind of three-quarter length outfit, shorts actually. and a matching blazer. Yeah. Kind of like coral color. I think that's so good. And Sanjo Como is like, you've fallen in love with your client. That's the one rule that we talked about. And then is like, ah, it can work. It happens. I uh, love that. And then they're like, name one person. Yeah, and, she's, and she's like, oh, the pressure of a name. Cinder fucking Rella. Really oh, good. Really well so delivered. Good. Um, but I just want to jump back a tiny bit. Sure. Just to talk about what Hector Elizondo gets pulled away for. Because at the end of the previous sequence, he gets pulled away because there's something going wrong. And at the what it is is a window washer is refusing to come down. And then he looks to <laughs> Sam uh, Sam and she just uh, to Laura and she just goes. It's a Saturday and wanders <laughs> off. It's such a great. I, it's Bizarre. such a great. I love to see Hector busy. Like, yeah, we love he's to like, see uh, him busy. People window washers get stuck all the time. He's such a champion. I have this weird fantasy of working in a hotel, and I don't okay. know like why that's my fantasy. Yes. but I have this. I kind of would love to see like the inner workings. I would love to see like a faulty towers esque. Like, boy, boy, do I have a TV show for you? <laughs> it's, it's the Grand Budapest Hotel. Was the first oh, was yeah. a movie that is one. Very similarly to The Bear, and I guess you could make connections between this and American Gigolo and kind of this film. Anyway, the idea of service being a really important thing and a really pure calling, it's a really wonderful, um, it is a really wonderful running theme through these hotel movies. But I currently do work in a hotel where I'm in charge of a lot of the minutiae of it. It's a really, why am I worried about getting fired? It's a really (laughs) shit hotel. You quit. An anti-plug for the Urco <laughs> Hotel right here. It's just a really frustrating experience working in a hotel in real life, I've discovered. To be yes, fair. I think it's a bit of a difference between the hotel you're <laughs> working at and what you do not and what the five Elizondo seasons. Does. You're, you're right. The but four, five seasons? The five, they added another. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. It could not be more different, but boy, has it killed uh, that little flame of interest in my spring, heart of being summer, a concierge. autumn, winter, and sponge. <laughs> to be honest with you, though, I think that they would offer completely 
different problems in themselves. I think that the clientele you'd be dealing with if you were Hector Elizondo would be a nightmare as well. You're dealing with Richard Gere. 100%. Gear. So uh, I'd honestly yeah, probably rather deal with the clientele yeah, see, the of, like, off the piano. Yeah. No, no, no. I think I'd, have, I'd struggle more with entitled... Assholes. I do love the bit where there's a shoe scuff on the floor and Hector uh, Hector's talking to Dennis and Dennis is like, I swear I didn't do it. And he goes, it doesn't matter who did it. That's fine. Just call maintenance. We need to get this cleaned up as soon as possible. It's just good. It's good. Um, it's good uh, work. He's yeah. good at his job. <laughs> it's good. Um, what do you call it? Work. <laughs> All right. So now, of course, there's a very big meeting that's very important happens. Everyone cares about this meeting. Gear talks to Granddaddy Morse, levels with him. My interest in your company have changed. He wants to help old Granddaddy Morse now. He's a changed man. Now he wants to build things for the Navy, work for the military industrial complex. What a guy. I think that is obviously, I Shit. think it's so funny. That made me laugh so much. <laughs> I was like, wait. The, if you the, didn't see the that coming this, though. The, I did after the building blocks thing, but I was like, wait, is the premise of this movie that the reason that Richard Gere's a good guy now is that he builds warships? Like, Yes. <laughs> It's fucking terrible. It rules. Um, he then goes and walks bare feet in the park while Julia Roberts uh, walks barefoot in the hotel room. Jason Alexander comes into the ho hotel room and, and tries to proposition Julia Roberts, then tries to sexually assault her. This scene does not need to be in the movie whatsoever. I think it is a blemish on what, uh, otherwise I think is actually quite a nice film. But this, I, it just is clearly from the other script and um, stinks and completely takes me out. Gear comes in and also this sucks. Gear comes in and fights Jason Alexander off, sends him on his way and then punches him and then tends to Julia Roberts' wounds. Very clearly like she needed to be saved. No thanks. Yeah, I, w I also found this out of tone with the movie. And of, completely out of tone with the movie. Yeah, just awful. But it's it's like it doesn't fit with the, <sighs> the, the level of conflict that we've had so far. <clears throat> it's a real bummer. You could have had the same thing with him just threatening to like expose that she... Exactly. Like it it just needs to be like you can have that same conflict. You just don't need to have... Yeah, and, and this is not like a, a prudish like... Oh, uh, you know, we, you're not allowed to show those things on screen. It's like, no, you, of course you are, but like, it's just doesn't feel at all delicate in the yeah. film. It feels like a blunt force, like uh, making you feel something for the character, but then like doesn't play it like that. Doesn't play like it's serious for the character. It's just like not earned, unfelt, um, very bad. I think it's what happens afterwards. It's more kind of the way they handle it that's more of the problem. It's actually, given no way because I think that. I can understand wanting to include a scene in which you see how people in the, like certain people, uh, his colleagues view her work as in, I can just own you. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I can do this. I, I, think, I, think you, I think you could show that though in this as well, because I think you have to do it earlier and you have to have that be more of a conflict and it has to be kind of, I, I think the way they handle it is, is really weird. It's sort of like he punches him and he's fired and yeah, bye. And they all, and they all like, argue and then they, Jason Alexander, like Jason Alexander needs to be like killed and flayed. Like I, I think it's just <laughs> like the devil. It also needs to be a bigger conversation about like how people view, like it's a different movie. That's the thing. Yeah, like, that's and, the thing. It's like that's I, a different movie. So why would you include this? And yeah. it shouldn't be Gears Hero moment. No, exactly. Yeah. And it was in a different movie, so it makes sense. I yes. think I, I, I so I kind of <laughs> go. It does make sense because it was from a different movie. Yeah, but I, I look. I have so many mixed kind of feelings on um, those kind of scenes included in movies because I do think that it is something that does happen in reality frequently. Of course. So to it's just the way that films handle it and the way that they use it for narrative devices. And it became a trope for this one. It's sort of like, you know, it's like, and then you become a 
tougher woman because you've got Oof. like that is the problematic representation of sexual assault on film happens all the time and it's sort of like a not handled super well in many films this one I yeah I think it could they could have included that they just needed to give it more weight it needs to be a bigger deal and it needs to happen earlier but like as opposed to not it's like towards the end yeah so we've got like 10 minutes left to go yeah <laughs> I, I think it's the way it's handled after that's the problem for me uh yeah but I, I don't think it's out of character for Jason Alexander's character to do that. No. Though. So that's no, no, the thing. No, no, but, but so it's like, I go, yeah, it's just interesting. Like, it's, it's about tone and structure. Absolutely. And like, like it's, uh, it's, yeah. And, you know. It's definitely not my favourite part of that film and I kind of was like, oh, that felt like that was poorly handled. And Gears, I, I just hate Gears' role in it as well to be yeah. like the hero rescuing. I also thought it was going to be a Hector Elizondo coming up. It feels like, because it, it's just weird that Gear appears if, if in Hec that sequence. If Hector Elizondo came in, and like as Julia Roberts was trying to fight away, picked up Jason Alexander and threw him off the balcony. And then you just hear a like moment. a four, like you just hear what? So you hear you hear the ground slide. opening up and <laughs> Jason yeah. Alexander being swallowed it back into be, the night. It would be counts. wonderful if Hector Elizondo was the man that um murdered Jason Alexander. But uh <laughs> No, I agree. That that would have been a much better way to handle that, I think, uh, too. I, it all would have been it all gross sucks. rescuey yeah. stuff though. <laughs> this is when I asked, what does Vivian see in Edward, apart from the fact that he's rich? Like, what are his qualities that she falls in love with? He plays he's piano. Cold. <laughs> um, anyway, then Julie Roberts leaves. She sets boundaries for herself. She's like, I want the fairy tale. You don't want to give him the fairy tale. This is done. Roberts then says goodbye to El Elizondo. He's clearly become her dad. He says, it's been a pleasure knowing you. Come and visit us again sometime. But yeah, Hector's whole character arc is, what if you ran into Julia Roberts? Wouldn't you just like her? Yeah. <laughs> then she's in the back of a limousine. She's thinking, pondering, it must have been love um, by Roxette is rocking out and a storm is brewing. One of the most obvious <laughs> storms in a movie of like, this is going to explain emotional turmoil yeah. for the character. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you reckon? It's like this and like, Perfect storm. Yeah. Julia Roberts is moving to San Francisco. She and Laura San Giacomo say goodbye to each other. Laura San Giacomo has the great line, I gotta go because I hate goodbyes, mm. which I just think is so good. Gear says goodbye to Elizondo and returns the fancy necklace. Elizondo says, may I, sir? And then looks at the necklace and says, it must be difficult to let go of something so beautiful, which is both the magic of a hotel manager. He's the fairy godmother in the Cinderella story. Also clearly... Likening a woman to an object, <laughs> which and, is not great. And then Gear ends his character arc with uh, one last horrendous violation of privacy by Hector giving her, <laughs> yes, that's giving true. Yes. Julia Roberts a dress. Yes, it gives. Yeah, and then she he goes chasing after Julia Roberts, appears on a white horse, which is a limousine, with waving a sword, which is an umbrella. Why has he got? Oh, the storm. Yeah, I remember being like, why has he got an umbrella in this sequence? Opera is playing. It's La Traviata. Gear climbs up the stairs to the top floor to meet her and save her. This pays off like a slot machine for me. I started crying. And she says she rescues him right back. And then the guy walks past saying, this is Hollywood, always time to dream, so keep on dreaming. Okay, you cried? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Absol okay. No, I'm not shaming you. I'm actually genuinely get, interested. Get in the comments, boys. <laughs> no, no, no. I genuinely am just like, wow, I just, I fully did not have a emotional reaction to this film at all. But I, I cry in a lot of things, though. So. I, um... I had I I just it just the gear character is such a hole for me that I could not enjoy the sequence. He overcomes his fear of heights. He does. That, that, I did write that down. I was like, oh, that's where this is going. She yeah. has a fire escape. Yeah. Um. That's good. Yeah, that is that's good. Really honestly good that, that that's, that's good. good. 
What do that you think was about the kiss? Warm. Is it a good kiss? No. It's a no, we- I it's thought an, so. It's, an interest- it's a weird it's kiss. Neck, yeah, it's, it's kind crack. of tilted weird. And it, it, he's got a very tight jaw when he kisses Julia. Yeah, they don't, it's not a good kiss. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, I didn't want <laughs> Maybe to be like I, the... You know why? Because I haven't had time to practice it. Because they've kissed twice. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, true. So you know when you kiss someone for the first time and sometimes you're like, oh. Yeah, oh, we actually need to. we got to adjust Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to figure this out. They didn't give themselves a lot of time, so. Yeah. Should we bring it back to our boy Hector? Yes. Comparing, I think, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Mm-hmm. Smaller role. Great in it. Uh, but it's probably not comparative like to Detective Sunday in this. If we had to rank them, not that we, Push. you know. Where, where are we thinking? Because I think it'll be interesting when we add Princess Diaries to this uh, delicious Hector Elizondo Sunday to kind of, what's up? Detective Sunday. Yeah, so I was thinking you were referencing. Um, that's definitely what I was referencing oh, was and good. I did that on purpose. Oh, it was good. <laughs> oh, like you weren't. Okay. Um, it's like the time you didn't realise it, Mr. Grey. It was like shades of grey. And, like, and I was like, oh yeah, Mr. Grey. I can't read. Surprisingly, you're not good at puns. <laughs> no, I'm very bad. What do we think? Does this Is this a better performance? Is this a... I mean, it's, it's very different. different. I... I think I would lean towards Detective Sunday. What you know those TikTok, <laughs> you know those TikTok things that um, Rachel's been showing us, where you have to lean your head one way or the other. We yeah. should do that with Hector Elizondo performances. Yeah, let's make a filter. Yeah, let's uh, make a filter. That seems I'm, like an. Easy I'm sure job. that one doesn't exist on TikTok. <laughs> there is. I would be very surprised. No, I mean, that would be millions, a fun thing for us. Millions to get into. of versions of people doing the, the Hector Elizondo <laughs> roles. <laughs> Elizondo trend. <laughs> that would be sick, actually. Trend Elizondo. Um, Sorry, terrible. Trend um, Elizondo. Trendo. Right. Come on, let's go. Uh, true. I would say, I. I actually really think he's great in Pelham. I do. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. I think he's great in Pelham. I think that he has the most to do in American Gigolo. Mm. So it's fair to be like that performance is really great as well and there's a lot more meat on it. I think that what he achieved in this film, though, was to be the heart of the hotel, which is I say this so often and I want to die every time I say it. The hotel's almost like a character, character itself. In the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it coming. We should have a little like uh, jar <laughs> for you to put money in every hotel time every places. time you say a place is a character. Yeah, or I say something about montage. We're going really to um, unfortunately have to watch the movie Manhattan <laughs> see oh, how many times yeah. you say it. Um, actually, it's good can be your jar. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the hotel... <laughs> And I think that Hector does a, such a great job of being so warm and welcoming and likable and adds so much to it and it's an iconic character. I'm going to have to say this one is probably his most iconic role. So you're leaning towards this pretty woman. Yeah. Wow. I Shamus, think it's harder to play a nice the, you're, character. You're the tiebreaker. Uh, between uh, Sunday and Pretty Woman. I mean, you could also choose taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 and then it's all three. That I mean, done, that would be wonderful to do, one. but I can't – I think – Look, I love him so much in this movie, and this he got me through this movie in a great to to a great sure. extent. Like for me, it was Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, but <laughs> Julia Roberts and him like were w- yeah. was the movie for me. That's every time I was like in really really on board was when it was the two of them playing. Um, but still, I just think he is. I think it's got to go to Sunday. He is so incredible. So good in that. He's movie. doing such a. I've thought about it a lot in the like two weeks since we recorded. Yeah, like, I was like. 
I'm just thinking about Detective Sunday. That's weird. It's <laughs> fantastic. I know it's like we do a podcast about him for yeah. you know four weeks, but I think he got nominated for a um, Golden Globe for this performance in. As he should. And it's a small role. Like it's yeah, not it in terms of camera role. time. Uh, did you get the exit? Did you do that? Oh, the hex at Elizondo. I did get it, but my hours are all screwed up because Should I missed his entrance. Uh, I believe it is. <laughs> I think I started writing hexic exizondo, which is not going to be. Oh, just combining them. Just, yeah, just, just make really it. just yeah. adding piles of sweat. To so it. probably good. yeah, I love sweat. Um, probably <laughs> add an extra fifteen minutes to this, but one hour and fifty-three minutes and thirty-nine seconds is our actual hex at exizondo. Uh, giving us one hour and 14 minutes and 29 glorious section, sections Sexons. of Hector Elizondo. <laughs> Can I say, just like back to the you saying that um, to lose something so beautiful, you think that he's comparing her to an object. I don't, I like, I know that that could be a read on that. Like, yes, because he's talking, but I do think that there's this great thing where as the fairy godmother hotel guy, he's often talking in codes the whole time. Yeah. You know? So there's that idea of Love when this. you're kind of like, She's in East, so like there's a lot of being said without being said. Mm -hmm. And I think that I didn't view that as like a, he thinks that she's as beautiful as a jewel. I think that he's just like, it's just a code of how he can say, you fucked up. That's such a lovely read. I love it. That's a lovely read. Yeah, I love to be generous towards a movie. I think it is so. (laughs) It's about... I think it's about buying it's a woman. It's about buying a woman. It's about buying a woman. Teaching her that buying things is good. To tell her, telling her to stop fidgeting. And also, most importantly, one of the best things you can do is build ships for the Navy. <laughs> Send a... me iron. Send me steel. I must destroy. Yeah, this is a real love letter to capitalism. Uh, There's it, no point in which it is. It's interesting that American Gigolo is such a teardown de- yeah, of... It like, hates they are, capitalism. And these movies are such opposites. Yeah. yeah. Off the back of that, who do we think earned their paycheck? It is very hard not to say Laura Sanjo Como. Mm. Um, I think she is so effing good in this. I think, like... She's maybe a slightly bigger part than Hector's, but not by much. Like she kind of disappears for like the middle of the movie. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of hard for me to not to say her. I also think um, uh, Marilyn Vance, the, the costumes in this. So Incredible. The, 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 the brown polka dot dress, they found that in like, I'm, it's not called this, but yeah. the American equivalent of like a fancy spotlight. <laughs> they found that <laughs> fabric. Um, fabric, but Sick. they found exactly the amount for the dress and no more. That's brilliant. So they had to like, just like this, get it right, like in <laughs> one and like not make any cuts that they didn't exactly need. So it was this like, it's like a feat of engineering. That's sick. It is sick. And we should 100% cover it on the podcast. Yeah, we'd love to do Advance. So not including Hector. Not including or Hector. Julia. Or Julia. He's certainly not allowed to choose Julia. <laughs> Julia obviously earned her paycheck. And um, every paycheck. And $70 million dollars on top of that. I'm going to go with Richard Gere. Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Look, the man um, did his best. We're gearing up. I... We're doing Richard Gere next? <laughs> let's do Richard Gere. <laughs> we just did. <laughs> we did. No, let's talk about Unfaithful. Is that what it's called? Faith. I want to talk about Chicago. We do him. Oh yeah, we'll um, find someone and do Chicago. They're all wildly why are we, famous. Why, yeah, we, we'll find why are we just doing gear movies now? <laughs> it's good gear. We have done two things. One is movies sorry, about things sorry, that go Shazie, really. Got, it's good gear <laughs> is the name of like the Patreon or whatever that we do, which is just covering Richard Gear. <laughs> I no hate one that. Subscribes to <laughs> that. Weirdly, we've got we've got <laughs> negative fifty it's just like subscribers. <laughs> I'm, I'm downvoting our own. Everyone, money. <laughs> I'm downvoting our own <laughs> podcast on that one. I think that 
and this is such a boring answer and I can't believe I'm saying this. I really like the kind businessman. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm just getting his Ralph name. Bellamy. Is Ralph his name. Bellamy, yeah. But I also really good. Yeah, he does he a great job. Great. When I, he says like I know I don't I don't know how to say this without it being condescending, but I'm proud of you. Yeah. I want someone to say that to me. <laughs> I yeah. also think that I also think that the girl the girls who play the snobby shop assistants mm. do a great, do a great job, job at being very hateable. Are they the, and I think they did a good job. Are they the uh, Emily Blunt from um, Devil Wears Prada? Is that uh. the, like the the generation of that character that then grows into a full character in Devil Wears Prada? Absolutely. I I, wow. I, am, I would say both of those would probably have been my picks as well, but now that they're both taken, I'm going to throw out Hank Azaria, who I think absolutely delivers. It's an amazing performance. It's an amazing performance with almost no time Nothing and so memorable. And then, yeah, I'm going to say Hank's my man. Yeah, that's a that's such a good one because it is such a like, here is one scene yeah. and Blinking immediately, may, like I was- Maybe because we know when he's famous maybe? though. I honestly, because I think that if His I watched delivery. that movie and I didn't know who he was, I, 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 I can't, I can't answer this because I don't know how I would feel about mm. it. He does a good job, but maybe I paid attention because I went, is that Hank Azaria? His voice is so good. Like, mm. and you would miss Fam- it. Famously. <laughs> famously, <laughs> a pretty good voice let's, let's actor. Let's see if he's ever hired for it. Um. <laughs> run, run, fat boy, run. Is that Simon Pegg movie? Just voice roles for Hank? What? The Genuinely? Simpsons? What are you talking about? <laughs> doing a bit where I didn't know he was in The Simpsons. Wait, is Run, Fat Boy, Run, is that a voice performance? No. Okay. <laughs> you needed to come up with a, another voice performance for that bit I to land. To. I really <laughs> thought that you were going to come in with the Mystery Men rant that you always do. I love Mystery Men. <laughs> <laughs> just... The Blue Raja is an insane character. Um, is that Hank why Azari's did I, character? Yeah, Hank why Azari did I has... open this up? Hank, Hank Azari, oh God. Mystery Men fucking rocks. Okay. Hank... Anyway. Okay, is this movie- for another episode. Is this movie better than Holes? No. Yes, it is. Uh, I think just it's not just, all. and it's got a lot of problems. But I think there is something much like Holes. There's just something magical about it that makes it sing. I think it's the same. Well, it simply can't be the same. I that can't is the, pick. That is the rule. You, ha- you the have same? to. You have to. It's on the same <laughs> you're level. You're gonna kill Seamus. <laughs> Why can't I pick that? <laughs> you're gonna no. You, the thing about Holes oh, is that a movie has right, to be either better or worse. Better or worse. Okay. It's the whole premise of the fucking podcast. I think that the the film is. Better. Thank you so much. That's right. That's oh, right. no, it's worse. Oh, thank you. So I was just thinking of Julia Roberts again. Julia Roberts is so fantastic. Yeah. I can't argue Julia Roberts that. better she than Shia LaBeouf. It. You heard it here first. Julia Roberts better than Shia LaBeouf. But there were so many wonderful performances as holes. Anyway. Have you got something have you got for us? Do we have a game? Do okay. we have time for a game? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. This is going to, um, it's a minute long game anyway, so this is going to be pretty quick. It's just an idea that I had where I just kind of. I knew that was why the paper was coming out. Of course, yeah. Uh, I'm going to put a minute on the clock and I just need you guys to uh, connect Hector Elizondo to Beth Grant through movie appearances. Oh, this is going to be, so here's the thing. This is going to be a minute of silence. (laughs) I'm going to read random facts that I have over the top of it whilst you guys go Um, and just sort of clear through. It's also for the purposes will probably be edited just to the, as soon as you've got it. it, I'm going to put put the minute on the clock now. Um, It's going to be so great to listen to. Yeah, this is such good audio, dude. (laughs) This is so smart. It is so smart. <laughs> and I really appreciate that you said that. Okay. I'm so bad at this game. As I well. know. That's why I'm curious to see what happens. <laughs> I got it already. Oh, what? You're, you're, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> you can still win. You, Lincoln, you can still win if you can do it in less moves. <laughs> oh, that's so dumb. I'm, I'm, I'm so bad at yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Pre- press go on the timer. It already is going. I, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've already lost. <laughs> 
Okay. Come on, Lincoln. Okay. Get One. back in the game. Okay, no. This is, here's Get the back thing. in the game, Lincoln. Here's I did it you're in, losing. You're falling apart. I did apart. it in six. Okay. Okay, I'm and that not, is a wonderful win for <laughs> that is a wonderful win for Charlie Davenport. All right, so I have yeah, Beth Grind is in Donnie Darko with Jake Gyllenhaal, who's in Love and Other Drugs with Anne Hathaway, who's in The Princess Diaries with Hector Elizondo. An incredible job. I actually bought both prizes because I thought both uh, character uh, characters uh, contestants <laughs> would that, actually play who, the game. Is that okay? You didn't say start on the clock. <laughs> you started before the clock even started, and then when I was like, okay, I will have a go, you were like, the clock's already well, started. Charlie, you have word. just won two DVDs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So the first one that I have is Victoria and I can't read the Abdul, rest of it. Abdul. Victoria and Abdul, the yes. Judy Dench movie. Absolutely the Judy Dench movie. I picked that one because <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> Who assigned this one? <laughs> Tina Turner? <laughs> Tim Legler? So that is it's the not first... Tina Turner, is it? That is the first movie you've won. Uh, I picked that because we are covering Princess Diaries next week. Please tell me it's not Tina Turner you've signed. It's not Tina Turner. It It is, in fact, Tim Allen. (laughs) (laughs) Because the second DVD you've won is Tim Allen, The Santa Claus. (laughs) Why? How is that related? Because we we talked about Tim Allen, The Santa Claus for about 20 minutes. That had to be be cut from the podcast, I believe. There we go. Also, it's signed by Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I... I'm going to start <laughs> deliberately losing these competitions that I keep on winning <laughs> before I end up with... Actually, no, I'm, I'll take those. <laughs> well, I, I, we, we, you have to give good. them back. The other Duncan. rant is I generally thought, thought the Santa Claus was about like a clause where Santa could break the law. And it is. And, um, oh, I know. It's, it's the legal defence. <laughs> <laughs> it's the purge of the, the, the Santa. Santa. That's Santa's clause. So that, so that was my new uh, game, Six Degrees of Betheration. <laughs> and I got there. In six, it was really good. Uh, and Lincoln, <laughs> I love that one. you still you still haven't learned how to spell Cormac McCarthy's name. You refuse. I to didn't spell write it. that, Lincoln. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> okay, well that has been Cormac's hand rose from the recent grave. Apologies to his family. That um... has been this episode. <laughs> yeah, on mm-hmm. Pretty Woman. Next week we will be talking about the Princess Diaries, which Princess. is also a Gary Marshall film. There's a lot, lot to talk about, uh, but we just want to talk about because they are thematically, you know. Very similar. It also felt it felt um, kind of, like the original plan wasn't to do both, like to just do one Gary Marshall film, but because it's such a long stretch of Hector's career, it felt like we're kind of shortchanging him without doing at least another Gary Marshall. And it's, I just didn't want to let go to him yet, especially not on this note. Yeah, with you handing you over another so signed <laughs> Santa Claus <laughs> by Cormac McCarthy. You have no idea what will come um, next week. <laughs> so please um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and all the things. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Lincoln Vickery um, and on Twitter if you want. Who cares about that? Um, but, yes, please follow me on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, if you have any issues with what we've said, which is likely, <laughs> then feel free to comment below. Um, and let us know. We'd love to keep the conversation going about Hector Elizondo. If you've got any other performances that you particularly like of his that you think we've missed or any fun facts about Pretty Woman, anything like that, just let us know. We'd love to talk about movies in case that wasn't obvious (laughs) with this literal film podcast. So... Thank you very much for coming. It's been a pleasure. Seamus, thank you. Seamus, looking Sorry at your about phone. Richard Gere. Sorry about no, that. That's all right. Look, I ultimately we're, we're enjoyed sorry. this. I had to watch this fun movie, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I ultimately, you know, I enjoyed the whole podcast. I just didn't love Gear. Fair. Mm, that's fine. 
Well, thank you so much for watching. Thank you, Lincoln. What's up? Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. No worries. We'll see you next (laughs) week for some Princess Diaries. And I've got some thoughts on this film and I'm excited to share them.